Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at uh1.com. Walking Blind is hosted by overly emotional dudes who overthink and overanalyze everything. Nothing the hosts say should be taken as medical advice or opinion. They're not professionals, and they're about to make that very clear. So just kick back and hang with them, because you've earned it. Now cue that music. What's up, guys? Mike checking in. Mike checking in. Welcome to this week's episode of Walking Blind. Uh, you'll notice we got a little weird, different camera angle, uh, and we've got a different setup, and that's because we actually just did our first uh, episode with a buddy of ours through Zoom. Um, Jeffrey Eason. I mean, what? there's there's so much to talk about that, that we're just going to jump right into it. We just wanted to get um, talk to you guys first. Uh, this is a long episode because we go into a lot of stuff, and I know it, it might jump over all over the place at times, uh, but the story is really fucking cool, and um, his story is really fucking cool. I mean, um, I'm, we're going to start this episode with a voice message that he sent us, and then I want you guys to hear this, and then just listen to this guy's story and, and listen to what he has to say about what he's been through because, I mean, this, this is it's heavy. But but it's heavy in such a light way because he manages to have this sense of humor and this positive outlook on life that's just still like it's it's incredible to me. Yeah, he so. he uh, he should he <laughs> a lot of ways he shouldn't be here. Stuff he's gone through and uh, but he is and he's he's um, starting to make moves to to hopefully share his story because I feel like his story needs to be heard. Uh, it's, we're honored and humbled that he's willing to share it with us. So, uh, yeah, hope you guys enjoy this, uh, this conversation with our buddy Jeffrey. I cannot stress to you enough how fucking happy you just made me. Like, 
I have had the best week of my fucking life, dude. And I cannot wait to tell you about it. Like, <laughs> it's just been a whirlwind of, like, insane realizations about myself. I have found this insane amount of love for myself for the first time ever that it's just, like, it's almost overwhelming. Like, I, I haven't been able to see that for so fucking long that I forgot what it felt like to be proud of yourself and like I've seen this whole experience from such a a a backwards lens you know that I saw all of this as like me being punished for things and and me being a burden for things and it just has been this insane realization week. It was just like the week of all these fucking crazy, profound realizations that I've been looking for for so long. And it, they're all just like hitting at once. It's like one fuse was out and the second I replaced it, it's like the whole thing just lit up. And it's been incredible, dude. Like, I... You know, we both know I'm my own worst enemy. That's not, you know, new. But the amount of of perspective that I've been able to see around my situation out and, like, the way that I have had to handle things in order to survive has just been such a profound experience. And, like, it's it, it's, like... All I can think about is being able to, like, tell you about this shit because, dude, like, you fucking, you're my hero, man. Like, you're my inspiration for so much of this. And, like, you are the sole person, the one fucking person, Mike, that showed me any semblance of light in in that entire fucking situation. I could not see any bright side. I could not see any silver lining before you were introduced into my life, man. Your music was introduced into my life. And then I had the pleasure of meeting you in person and to see the level of empathy and care that you have for your fans is one of the reasons I love you so much, man. Like, you're just, you, you to your core are made of nothing but love and healing. And, like, that is your purpose. And it's it's beautiful. And it's such a beautiful thing to, to be able to witness firsthand someone's, someone doing and, and fulfilling their true purpose. Uh, so I am so fucking unbelievably proud of you for being able to, like, come back out of, after so many years, just, like, never, like, you were never gone, man. That music slaps, bro. It's so fucking good, Mike. Ugh. And any Sunday, fucking name it, man. I, yeah, I would love that. This is all, what an incredible week. Holy shit. I can't wait to talk to you more, man. Fucking, if you have any free time tonight, hit me up. Let me know I'm I'm around. I I just left a friend of mine's house. Sorry it took me so long, but this is a crazy long message. I love you, and I'll talk to you soon. Dude, so now, now that we can hear you, what's up, man? Not much. I had another audition today. Oh, cool, cool. Uh, Sick. And 
crushed it, dude. Like it was, uh, and it was definitely an audition that was like super important. It was with, like an actual casting agency, and like there was like a the casting director was there, and the like there was like an assistant director there, and they both were like really stoked on me. And they said that I have a noir theme or, or vibe. I don't know what that means, but I I know what noir be means, but mm-hmm. I. <laughs> I don't think like I that, give like that Batman. They think you're Batman. <laughs> yeah. Like, I think of like, like Archer Dreamland when I think of noir. Like, I can see that. Which is an amazing noir season, but dude. And so, yeah. I'm guessing are the are these auditions are they in person? Or are you doing? Uh, are you sending stuff in? It's mostly like um, self tapes and like Zoom auditions. And this one today was a Zoom audition. So cool. like, those are a little bit more nerve wracking and definitely like. I was stoked that I did all that today because I had most of this already like ready to go. Cool. Yeah. Yeah, that reel that you sent was uh, cool. Yeah, dude. Yeah, that was. Uh, I've never felt like more cheesy and like I hated myself doing it while I was doing it because like I was like, God, like I've sat through so many of these and I hate every single one of them and I sound just like him. <laughs> dude, he actually Mike does voice work, so he's had to do. The corporate type of videos and instructional things too. Dude, yeah, that you, uh, <clears throat> the voice is totally. You know different. people that that like I could freaking get my foot in in any way, shape, or form into that. I've always wanted to do voice work. Uh, okay, I love voice acting stuff. Sick. Yeah, because always wanted to be in an anime. You know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I've um, I've worked with a bunch of people that that are always looking for like different voices too so um like for me my voice is generally like low and yeah you know live sultry <laughs> oh martin's in the back i don't know if you saw martin i don't know if you noticed martin buddy, yeah, what's I, up dude i guess you couldn't hear me when i was like my guy what's up <laughs> yeah. Martin? Oh, yeah, we, know we couldn't hear anything <laughs> dude it's so funny because like i was just talking to a buddy of mine but martin and i i've i've run into martin more times in different <laughs> bands coming through North Carolina than, like, I've even seen you in person. Like, <laughs> Martin would just, like, be like, oh, yeah, I'm just I'm playing for, like, Four of the Fallen Dreams, this tour. I'm like, what? Like, yeah, just random That's awesome. Random shit. That's, oh, okay. <laughs> like, and you can just do it. You're just that nasty, dude. You can just do whatever. Like, well, I, I was actually just uh, teching for them on that tour that I saw you at. But, I was so happy to see you. It was just so random. Yeah, it, it, I didn't super even cool. realize that it was you when I saw you. <laughs> Dude, I forgot about that. When was that? What? Uh, forever ago. How many? Two thousand fourteen. Oh yeah, that was yeah. a while back. It was like for two weeks, and, and then it was um, right when Chad came back to For the Fallen. Dreams. Yeah. And like it was you, me, my buddy Jeffy, and Chad all talking. Yeah. When I like realized it was you, and I was like, "Wait, whoa, <laughs> wait a second. It's always weird when you like you're used to seeing someone in like a certain setting, and then when you, even if you just remove the setting, you see them bumping into some yeah. bumping into them somewhere else in the so, wild, in the wild, <laughs> in the wild. Yeah. yeah, yeah, exactly. Oh, dude, that's even weirder. Yeah, like that's like, oh my god. So I I ran sound for uh, I used to work for this company called GSF. And they, we provided, like, audio and, like, stages and stuff like that for all sorts of different, like, events and festivals and stuff. And we did this really cool thing called GalaxyCon. And um, they did, like, events all over the East Coast. And, like, 
all these super famous actors would come and do like Q and A panels, and we'd like run sound for them. And I got to meet Carrie Ells, who is the main character of uh, in the Princess Bride. Oh, it's like literally one of my heroes and oh, like, yeah. inspirations. That's and, cool. Uh, he <laughs> he canceled the day of, like the morning of, and I had I didn't hear anything about it because I showed up like. It was in Louisville, Kentucky, that event. And uh, so I woke up from my hotel room like at like 7.30 in the morning. And like the, our, our hotel was connected to the convention center. So I just like walked across the bridge and just started setting up like so early. I was so nervous. And uh, my boss came in and was like, yeah, dude, Kerry canceled. Like he's not going to be there today. He lost his voice. I was like, oh, like, oh man. That was such a letdown. And uh, the guy that played like the six fingered man was there too, though, and he was still going to come do the QA thing. And I was like, oh, hell yeah. Well, like, at least I get to see like somebody from the, from the movie. That's yeah. going to be awesome. So Carrie came in behind that dude, like, like tucked down behind him. And he's pretty tall. And like, he walked in, and the second. I saw him, my whole face just went like white, and I was like behind the board, and it was like my turn to do like this panel, and I'm just sitting there like, you're not prepared for this, like what, what do you do? And Carrie just kind of looked around at everybody backstage and saw me just like white, and he gave me the biggest shit-eating grin I've ever seen in my life, just like, yeah. You're the first person I'm coming to. And uh, just walked straight up to me and was like, hey, man, what's your name? And I was just like, uh, <laughs> like I don't know. Jeffrey? <laughs> and he was just like, well. Car- Carrie, I mean, uh. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, is, uh, you are. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. So great oh, to dude, meet me. It yeah. was wild. Yeah, I love you. I love me. Uh, freaking uh, Christopher, um, Christopher. Wellington, he was a Doctor Who, um, and he was also the ma- the the movie I knew him from was from Gone in sixty seconds. Yeah. <laughs> he was uh, he was the main bad guy in Gone in sixty seconds. Oh yeah, yeah. And, okay. Uh, I did his panel too, and he was talking about like having lunch and stuff with Anthony Hopkins at his mansion, and you're just like, oh cool. <laughs> Who are you? Like, what is your life, okay. dude? Oh my god! And I that, had <laughs> I I got like so, that um like. What I used to do because I had a podcast before this that was like all comic book shit, and oh nice! Like we covered we covered like a bunch of conventions and stuff, and I was like the whole time I was always just like oh cool like random people whatever, and then I met Kevin Conroy and I'm a you know like a huge Batman fan, and yes, I was just like dude. so starstruck I was like this this is the voice of my childhood <laughs> yeah <laughs> like, holy yeah. shit and everybody What's else was even like more what the wild. Fuck? What's even more wild is when you realize that Mark Hamill is like the Joker, the, voice yeah. the Joker that yeah. you know and love, <laughs> yeah. like, that you grew up with, and you're like, huh? Like yeah. Luke Skywalker is okay. Uh, yeah, I guess. So good, dude. One of the most <laughs> famous the heroes. Best voice. One of the most famous villains as well. It's so sick. He's done a bunch of stuff too, man. He he like really like blew up in voice acting once like he stopped doing stuff on film. That was cool. Yeah, um, but. Yeah, no, and then I was also supposed to uh, do Sean Schimmel's uh, Q&A panel, and that's the voice of Goku, and that's literally, like, my childhood hero, and he (laughs) had pneumonia and, like, had to cancel, and Uh, that's, like, one of the sweetest dudes ever, and so, like, when you hear that, you're just like, "Ah." all right, man, feel better, like, (laughs) shit. Cool, man. (laughs) Like, you couldn't have, uh, you couldn't, okay, no, never mind, never mind, I feel better, feel better. 
Like, it, it would have been sick if you'd have gotten yeah. sick later. Yeah. Yeah. Right. <laughs> or, like, maybe, like, just show up for a little bit. Like, you know, hey, man, just stick it out, you know? Oh, shit, yeah, no, exactly. But it was still, like, a really good time. Uh, oh, man. But, yeah, I... That and... Uh, <laughs> Chris Chris Carava, dude. Uh, uh. <laughs> dashboard. Yeah. I I ran sound. That was the last thing I ever did uh, before I started treatment. Was that was the last show I ever ran sound for? Was his side project, which is called Twin Forks. Oh, and, uh, Actually, I don't think I knew that. I don't, yeah, I don't think I, I knew that either. Emo Jesus. He doesn't promote it, dude. It's literally this thing that he intentionally like keeps low key because he enjoys playing small scale venues. Damn, that's cool. and. Uh, it's like, dude, this guy, mm-mm, I, mm, he's too good. He's just like literally like the purest dude. And you're like, how are you this famous? And just like, I don't know, man. There's got to be something. <laughs> and he's just not. Like, the like, dude literally showed up. And like, I ran sound, I sound checked him. He came out like and like shook my hand immediately, like got, in, got to know me and was like thanking me and all this stuff. And then he, like, immediately went to the bar, FaceTimed his wife and his daughter, and is just, like, literally the best dad ever. And he's just, like, <laughs> talking to his daughter for, like, an hour, and you're just like, what the fuck? And Sick, then man. He went up to the green room, and I was like, all right, well, that's probably the last I'm going to see of him, because, like, the venue it was at the 506, where you guys played oh, the cool, first time cool. we met. Yeah. Uh, I used to work there before I got sick. I was the, I was actually, like, head engineer there. Yeah, and, okay. Um, <laughs> fucking, uh... Yeah, so the the apartment thing, like the green room upstairs, mm. was where he went, and I was like, all right, he's not going to come back down. Like, there's going to be way too many people in here, and like, so then I realized at that point that there was like eight other local indie bands that were playing before him, and I was like, all right, like here we go, <laughs> this is going to be uh, okay, Long and. Um, so I'm, like, trying to, like, comprehend the, the shittiness that this night is going to be until, like, <laughs> yeah. you know, until he finally gets on stage. And this random dude comes back and sneaks behind the board, and he's in this hoodie and a baseball cap. And I was literally, like, getting into my tough guy voice, like, yo, dude, you can't fuck. And I realized it was him. And I was like, you can do whatever you want. Um, <laughs> like, yo, dude, you can't fucking be here. <laughs> yeah. And then did he have, point, did he have the like, armband on? <laughs> Dude, no, he literally was so, Dude. he was so, like, like, I don't know. He Marvel was really MCU good at just, like, yeah. yeah, blending. He, like, like he looks totally so different Assassin's now. Creed. He looks like Jesus yeah. now. Yeah, like, emo, up, emo, like emo Jesus. Emo Jesus dude. right now. Does he really? Oh, dude, yeah. Have he you? So, yeah. Why does he look so different? He looks so different. Have you now? watched any of the um, that Matt Cutshaw dude? Uh, the emo is not dead videos. <laughs> no. Okay. No. Well, when we get off of here. I, I would almost I, I would almost, almost rather watch those videos than be on this actual podcast. But the <laughs> the so this dude he's like a he was famous or he got famous on like I think TikTok and Vine and shit. But okay. he he grew up like <clears throat> listening to emo and shit like that. So he has these videos where like you know he's just a normal dude. But then that like the emo side of him takes over and then he like all of a sudden just oh has black yeah, hair and shit that like that. Dude. Okay, well yeah, so I do know that guy. yeah so like. As the videos got bigger and bigger, all of a sudden he's doing these videos like with Chris Caraba, with Secondhand Serenade, with like all these artists and with like Spencer Chamberlain. Yeah. So what? And then he put out a song under uh, it's like a fake. It's a it's a real band, but it's also a quote unquote fake band called uh, is it 
Um, it's what Chris get, calls him. Oh, right? my God. What, now I'm drawing a blank. Uh, so he, but anyways, he has this band and it's like legit, like emo, like it, early 2000s. Emo. It's per, and it's perfect. It sounds. Oh, and it's Chris doing it. No, no, no. It's this Matt Cutshaw dude. Oh, but then Chris shows up and he's like basically like the Messiah. I have these. it on right now. Yeah, I, I don't know if we could play it. But. Maybe not. But I'm, 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 a, I'm just gonna, I'm gonna text it to you. So you can enjoy. Yeah, it. it's yeah. it's amazing, and he he looks like straight up like emo Jesus. Like he's got really really long hair, and it's all straight, and then he's still wearing like the. He looks different though. What is it? I mean, why does he look different? Are his eyebrows different? The beard. Oh, the beard. Oh. Yeah. He's always had a little bit of scruff. Oh, uh, he's got like a... I will say this. To be fair, too, like, that dude knows everybody. Like, the week before I ran sound for him that night, I literally saw a video of him at a house party yeah. playing, like, hands down, and everyone in the house was singing every word to that song with him, and to his right was Gwen Stefani, and to his oh, left man. was Haley Williams. Huh. Damn. It's it's one of those things where he's been in this music for so long, you know. It's like it's like you see, and Gwen Stefani has too, though. To be fair, true. Yeah. That, if that girl's singing every word to your song, you have made it. Yeah. yeah. Like I mean, he's also on like the original Spider-Man soundtrack. So like, yeah, that dude's he's that, huge. What, uh, yeah. What's funny about that is "Vindicated" is how Daniel can mm-hmm. Daniel can find C. Oh, by singing. The- yeah. <laughs> Well, that makes sense. And he showed, dude. He did it. He like just when, we, like, yeah. While we were recording, he literally was just like, because I, I think I asked him, I was like, "Do you really have perfect pitch?" He's like, "Ah, yeah, I think so." He's like, "I just, I was like, you know, the song Vindicated." He's like, "Usually, if I hit that, I know that's C, and then I can tune from there." And so he's like, he was like, whatever it was, and then he pulled his phone out, and then he was he was on. <laughs> it was crazy. I was like, "What the fuck?" That's wild. And I'm like, I don't. Deaf. That blows my mind. I'm just figuring out like notes and stuff, and like I know that sounds silly because I I'm a musician and not I, silly. I do it's not silly. I do I play stuff, timing. but I didn't know I didn't. Because <laughs> <laughs> that's a fact. <laughs> His timing is really I was, bad. I was very fortunate to uh, learn drums as my first instrument. Very uh, cool. timing aspect. Yeah, was, that helps. Uh, yeah, not, that's right here. Yeah, not an issue. <laughs> Learning everything from Dan Searle and Kelly Byland was like, that kind of set the tone for me. And, uh, <laughs> dude, I, uh, oh my God, what was I going to say? Yeah, no, like, <clears throat> Chris, though, yeah, when, when, when he, like, snuck back there, I was just kind of, like, trying to give him, like, space, like, not, like, not to, like, bombard him. I didn't want to mm-hmm. be, like, a, fan guy or anything like that but like i was totally starstruck like and i didn't expect to be either like Mm. i was totally fine and then he snuck back there and i was like is he gonna fucking talk to me like is this (laughs) like what do i do if he does that what do i do right now and i just like periodically i'd like kind of glance over and he'd like catch my eye and be like i'd be like "Mm, just look busy You've like, already nothing. said everything. I'm just you doing everything very. Everything. I'm doing something very important right now. That's why I'm not talking Look to you. Look at these faders <laughs> really hard yeah. right now, and just like no, uh, just so, like turning another train anyway. back. So yeah, exactly. Like he's we, like, so the so do you play any instruments? And I was like, who me? Hmm? <laughs> what? What? Uh, I, like, I like music. Yeah, yeah. I 
I played the drums and, and a little bit of guitar. And I, I tried to sing. And he was like, oh, that's cool, man. You in a band? And I was like, yeah. I, I, I have, I'm like a solo artist. And he was like, dude, that's awesome. What does it sound like? And I was like, well, you. you. <laughs> and, uh, and City in Color. And he was like, <laughs> I was like, hmm. And he was like, I, uh, I gave Dallas his first tour at City in Color. And I was like, that's, that's cool. So <laughs> that's fucking wild. Damn. Oh. Damn. Oh. Ah, it's hot in here, right? Like, oh. yeah, and yeah. the dude literally, he just talked to me the whole night. All eight of those bands, he literally stayed back there and just wanted to get to know me. And it was all genuine. He, it was so weird. And uh, he was at, right before he went on stage, he asked me what my favorite dashboard song was. And I was like, stolen. Uh, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a whatever. Classic. It's yeah. my favorite, you know, yeah, whatever. It's classic. Just, that dude played an acoustic version of Stolen for me to end the night. Whoa. And that God. was uh, truly like, that was that was before the fight, like my fight with cancer started. That was the last thing that I did as an engineer. And um, he gave me that, you know, and he didn't even know. I didn't tell him. I didn't say a fucking word about it because I didn't want, I didn't want it to be like pity. You know, I didn't yeah. want him to mm. know that aspect. Like, and at the end of the night, I was like, hey, man, like, you know, I think I might have my guitar in my car. Like, I might, if I do, <laughs> would you mind, like, maybe signing it? <laughs> he was like, dude, yeah, go get it. I was like, all right. I just, like, full sprinted out there. <laughs> Went out to, like, go get it for him. It was actually, I'll grab the guitar. You're like, yeah, it's just yeah, my literally. car. He, like, drives all the way home. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man, just, uh, it's in it's in my trunk, so why don't you just hop in there, and then we can, we can yes. figure this out. I think it's, I think Logistically. it's, I think it's in my trunk. I'll, I'll be right back. I parked on <laughs> the, uh, like, the far end of the parking lot, though, so. Yeah. It's, like, really far. Yeah, it's really far. It... He literally was like, I tracked the, what, I can't remember the name of the record that, that has, like, Vindicated and Stolen and everything on it, but, like. Literally, he tracked it with this model guitar exactly. Oh, cool. And he was like, it wasn't nearly as beautiful as this one. And I was like, shut the fuck up, dude. Like, <laughs> yeah, fuck you. <laughs> and, uh, Don't do that to me. Like, yeah, I was like, oh, my God. I can't uh, handle a compliment from you, so just stop. And uh, he's as he's signing it, that was finally when I was like, listen, man, I just want to let you know that like, like, I'm really grateful and appreciative of you being like as awesome as you've been for me tonight. Is like this is going to be my last night like running sound for I don't really know how long. So at, he kind of looked at me and was like, "Oh no, what happened? Like, what, what, what's going on?" And I was like, "I actually uh, just got diagnosed with stage three Hodgkin's lymphoma, and uh, I start treatment tomorrow." And he did not react. He literally like everybody that I said that to at that point, and this is why I didn't say anything to him at first because everyone was always like. Yeah. I'm so sorry. Like the extra like, emotional. Yeah, like, I get it. like, you know, like yeah. it's a jarring thing to hear, especially if like you, you've never been through it or seen anybody go through it. And so like, I, I just didn't want to, I didn't want to see that from him. You know, that shit would have, that would have really, really set the tone for me. And mm. like, he looked up from signing that guitar and smiled at me. And it was the first time anyone ever did that. He was like, you know what, man? My mom just beat cancer three months ago, and wow. you're going to do it, too. Damn. And I was like, okay, well, I guess I have to do it. So he told me to. So now, yeah, 
I can't make him a liar. So, <laughs> so, so this was, so this you said like 2014, 2013, 13, okay. September, <clears throat> September 10th of 2014 was that show. I'm pretty sure. Okay. Um, and yeah, he was like, he was just really, really awesome, man. That was, that was the best way I could have ever imagined like ending my career at that point in my life. And like, I felt like really fulfilled and, and able to like walk away and go into treatment, like knowing that I kind of ended on a high note, you know, that's, it's such a sick way to just be like, yeah, that was my last show. Right. My last, yeah. like it's my fucking hero. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, you know, exactly. Like, this is, this, exactly. That's, that's crazy. Isn't it wild too? It was like beautiful. emo, emo Jesus is the one who does the, he's just, who's smiling. And yeah, you the, said emo at the sadness. <laughs> At the sadness, and he's just like, dude, you're gonna beat this. He's like, like, you got this. My child, literally, <laughs> man. So how? That's like, <laughs> my how, son. How long before that had you actually been like diagnosed? Like how before um, that show? I literally actually pushed my my treatment back to make sure that I, I was that able to work there. that show. Oh, mm. shit. Yeah, because okay. uh, that was it was important to me. And like I said, I was head engineer at the time, so like I was getting email cc'd into like all of the scheduling and stuff you're like fuck um, i want to be in that one yeah i saw that thing like months in advance <laughs> and i was like yep i'm taking that one yeah so yeah uh, it was kind of crazy the soundboard that was at the 506 for the longest time was actually the soundboard that was at the very first venue i worked at at 16 years old that was the soundboard i learned on Dang. oh wow and uh it was at a place called The Brewery in North Carolina. It was off of Hillsborough Street in downtown. And, like, dude, bands like Nirvana played there. And like, all these crazy, crazy bands uh, for, like, 30 years plus. And uh, I worked there until 2011 when it got torn down. And then I got a job, like, a couple years later at the 506. And literally that board was there the first day, and I was like, Sick. Nah. Hello, friend. <laughs> no way. And I like kind of like examined it, and I was like, oh, the possum puke stains. Like, it is the board. Oh, like, so, oh, oh, so it wasn't even the same model. It was the same one. It was the exact same <laughs> Whoa, board. Whoa, yeah. okay. That's mm -hmm. sick. That's crazy. Yeah. I could see like tape marks that I had actually laid out on the board, like like from like the outlines and stuff. Yeah. And, like there were certain things that my mentor and I would leave with like electrical tape and then like, sharpie and like ron actually uh put a strand of tape over the eq uh faders and it said if you are not if your name is not ron lentini do not fucking touch this <laughs> <laughs> um great. that venue the 506 what um when you saw us there what what tour were we on i'm not gonna lie man i literally don't know any other band that you guys played with that night Okay. I was only there for you guys, and uh, it was, I can tell you confidently, it was like February of 2014. Okay. Was was that the show that that you were on stage for? Mm -hmm. okay. Yeah. Yeah. So so I guess, well, I, I, we are kind of on a podcast. That so. was actually the video, well, I've done that twice with them now. Right. And the video <clears throat> was the Census Fail show at the Cat's Cradle. Okay. Um that was when I got diagnosed the second time around, and I had, I had just had my first regiment of, uh, in a regiment called ICE, and like in that video, in the original video, you could actually see my hair, 
like exploding off of my head every time I was headbanging, and like in the spotlights of the park hands, you could see like, like like it was legit like falling out. Yeah, yeah. I took a shower that night, and the next day I was literally bald, like cue ball, like Mister Clean ball. Oh my god, that's crazy. It was, it was, it is literally the second most intensive regiment of chemo that has ever been invented. And so that, Uh, so it just, and that was the second round that you did. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So I, so can you, can you take us back to like, like when you first, like, what was the thought process? What was like the, like the, where, what was your headspace when you first got diagnosed? Or like, I guess even before that, like, what were the signs to you that was like, something's wrong, like something's different? So it's funny because I like didn't, oh, hang on one second. I'm going to grab. This <laughs> just wanted to get comfortable. All right, so I may need the same thing. I got the vape over there. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so I, um, it was 2013. September 11th was diagnosis day, and uh, I, there wasn't really a whole lot of indicators at first. To be honest, I had it for like a, at least a year before mm-hmm. I was diagnosed. Um, it was stage wow. three at diagnosis. So oh, wow. like, okay. it was bad. Yeah. Um, so I, <laughs> one thing that it causes like when it's untreated, uh, is like severe aggression. Um, and like, I'm not an angry person. Never was. I actually like was pretty much a pushover, like let anybody say whatever they wanted to me. And, um, there was just this point where I just, didn't anymore and like went way overcompensated with it and even like things that were as simple as like hey man did you uh did you like move my drink or something and i'd be like what the fuck is that supposed to mean huh like just like lose my shit over nothing and i would just have these like weird freakouts it's like moments um, of hyper aggression that just yeah would just come out of nowhere and yeah and so i i started going to therapy because i was convinced that it was like my brain just like yeah. finally, I was like, I know, I, I knew I was crazy and it's just finally happening. So like, I need to like figure this shit out. And, um, <laughs> so, uh, about a year later after that, I was, I was so convinced that it was just like me, like needing to cope and like get like anger, coping mechanisms, breathing things. And then all of a sudden I woke up one day and on the side of my neck, there was a strand of lymph nodes from here and they go, you know, they line your body all the way down. Mm-hmm. It goes from here and then underneath your collarbone. And it actually, you can get, you can feel the strand continue on underneath your armpit. Mm. So from that point all the way up to here, they were out to here. Holy oh, wow. Shit. Like oh, they were crazy. literally like the size <clears throat> of tumors, like individually. Holy shit. And um, I couldn't turn my head like this because they were so swollen. And it just happened literally overnight. Was did, now? Up. Did you wake up like? Oh, could, hey, hey, hey. Right, what's Sorry. up? Rabbit, come here. <laughs> come here, Mister Boy. Put him on your lap. <laughs> yeah, we love we love dogs here. Whoa, oh my god! Cool. It's like he your own personal a, wolf. He is a wolf hybrid, actually. Sick. Oh, it's like my dream. That's awesome. He is seventy five percent wolf and twenty five percent German Shepherd. Awesome. Oh, sweet boy. Oh my 
my goodness. <laughs> I feel oh, bad for people who are just audio only. Yeah, I know. People audio only. There's there's reasons why we record video for this. There's a fucking wolf on the screen. <laughs> lo- look at you smiling. Look, at look how happy he looks. So sick. A happy wolf. He is. He's a happy boy. He gives hugs. It's beautiful. And he sings with me. It's really cool. It's cool. That it's, right. it's like particular songs uh, get them going. But like wolves, when they howl with each other, I actually like learned this after I got him. Um, but they harmonize like that's what they're doing is they naturally harmonize with one another as a pack. Mm, fucking and, cool. Um, so you know how long certain... it's taken us to harmonize? I know. <laughs> you do it. Actually, we're not a real wolf pack then. <laughs> do it right now. Ready? One, two, three, go. Uh... I had to be my own wolf pack, you know, and uh, I had to had to <clears throat> harmonize with myself until I got this guy. That's and so sick. It's kind of cool because like there's certain songs that I've written that are like some of the ones that make him get going and like <laughs> how, how old is he there's this, he is five he's five now or going on five and then do uh, we were totally going off in a tangent but i don't care do you <laughs> do you bu- like find a, a wolf dog do you buy a wolf dog specifically or does it just happen to be like oh yeah i had a, a husky and a wolf happened to come in to my yard like how does so this, this happen is, this is kind of a sad story but it is beautiful in a way, and um, it was a, he saved my life, man. Uh, I, had, I had a German Shepherd Rottweiler for 12 years, mm-hmm. um, and her name was Gnarly, and Sick. she was 110 pounds. She was a fucking tank, Sick. and uh, she was literally the most vocal dog I've ever met in my life, smartest dog I've ever met, besides Revan, uh, but he's a little different. Uh, it goes in a different, like, bracket, you know what I mean? And, <laughs> like, this dog knows how to be spiteful. It's very weird. Um, <laughs> he, yeah. And anyway, Gnarly, though, would get, like, frustrated that she couldn't make actual words when she would try to communicate. And would just start, like, yelling even more that she couldn't, like, get you to understand what she fucking wanted. <laughs> yeah. And uh, so she actually got cancer uh, and, like, I had to put her to sleep uh, six months after I was cleared. Wow. Uh, and, like, she she saw me all the way through. The and, first like, the first time or both times? All three times, oh, actually. Three? Oh, shit. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Holy fuck. Yeah, That's we'll a, get there. She held uh, on. Yeah. <laughs> That's so cool. But, yeah, the, uh, the last time, like, you know, when I was <clears> cleared for good, she lasted for about six months. And then, like, it got to a point where, like, she couldn't, she couldn't do things that she normally did and like she couldn't even like use the bathroom on her own anymore and it was just like i couldn't watch my strong powerful protective baby like go through that anymore and like i watched that dog like she could chase down deer i've never seen a dog like move like that again until revan that he's for that dude literally like i've only seen him sprint one time in the five years that i've had him his whole life he's only sprinted once and it's like he just like melts into the like it's, it's so the much power thing, yeah, dude. And only <laughs> one dog has ever hyped him up enough to get him to get going like that. <laughs> and it was a purebred German Shepherd, and like it's one of my best friend's dogs, and they love each other like literally. It's so cute, and um, <laughs> he was just so hyped one day. And I'm so glad CJ was there when it happened because like if no if someone else wasn't there, I would have totally believed that i was just tripping like there's no way i saw that it like, makes the me... dog just totally 
Do you guys, do you guys remember, if, did you guys watch Dragon Ball Super at all? Because, like, there's this one sequence in Dragon Ball Super in the Tournament of Power. There's this guy named Dispo, and he's super fast. And when he, like, gets to that speed, his whole body almost, like, does this weird warp thing. And that's exactly what he did. It was just like, <laughs> what the fuck is that? <clears throat> but, the wolf, yeah, some anyway. Wolf, some wolf shit, it's, it makes me feel... Yeah, dude. It makes me feel pretty... Uh, pretty satisfied with the fact that my dogs are not that masculine and and awesome because my dogs are just fat and dude i'm a shih tzu he is yeah. the biggest baby that you will ever meet in your fucking life he is not masculine in any way shape or form doesn't matter that it's is... part wolf yeah. <laughs> i'm like yeah He's i have so... a bull i have a bulldog that just snores and farts like yeah i also have a i also have a pit bull lab mix that is literally just a fat Bastard, look at him. Hang on. Yes. Hey. Awesome. Whoa, <laughs> so Mr. Boy. He's like, don't even look at me. Right He's now. like, I'm not going to move. <laughs> he licks the floor so much that his tongue has like literally been stretched out, and so it can't stay in his mouth when he's sleeping anymore. It nice. just looks like a shrinky when he goes to sleep. It's ridiculous. Uh, He'll like okay. wake up and just be like... <laughs> Ugh. Dry. Anyway, <clears throat> yeah. Um, okay, so, so let's let, let's let's rewind. Where where were we at? Mm-hmm. Uh, you were talking. We were <laughs> getting uh, getting diagnosed essentially. Oh, waking yeah. up with the yeah. with the giant. Oh, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. So like, what what's weird is it didn't hurt. Like there was no pain or anything like that. It was literally, it was just there, and like I couldn't tilt my head down. Or, that right. was about it. But, like, my mom and my girlfriend at the time were like, yo, that's bad. You're going to the doctor today. Like, that's yeah. not normal. What did you think it was? So, like, what do you do when you wake up with that? Like, like I slept wrong. I, that's what I would think. You know, like, honestly, because of where they were, I knew it was, I knew there were lymph nodes because, like, you know, your doctor, like, feels, like, around here. Yeah. So <clears throat> it's around the same area. I figured that's where they go. Uh, so I go to my, like, primary care physician nothing nothing weird and he looks at me and is like you know i don't want you to panic nothing's like you know set in stone yet but this is a pretty clear-cut sign of lymphoma generally now i didn't know what lymphoma was at the time so when i heard lymphoma it sounded like pneumonia to me right so i'm thinking like all right some like weird bronchitis thing okay cool Probably give me some medicine from the pharmacy and I'll be fine. And so was I'm on my way home. Was stuff my like dad that? Calls like, me. Oh, sorry. Good. Oh no, you're good. My dad calls me and is like, "What did he say?" And I was like, "Oh no, it's not a big deal. It's just, just some lymphoma. And probably get something from the pharmacy here in a minute. He's gonna call me." And my dad was like, "I don't, um, I don't think you understand what lymphoma is, son." And I was like, "Okay." And he was like, "Yeah, just just wait till I get home and like don't look it up." So obviously the first fucking thing I did was look it up. And uh, yeah, at that point I was like, oh, okay. Well, it's not set in stone. Like, it's just a cancer scare you right. know, at this point. It could be anything. And like, you don't really, like in retrospect, it was definitely obviously denial. And like, it was just like so clearly in my face. And, and I've never seen my like primary care physician, like with that kind of panic on his face. And I, that wasn't making sense to me either because I've been going to this doctor since I was four. 
I was 21 at the time. And um, so he sets up a biopsy, this surgeon that I go to, and like, this is all, this all ties into shit. Uh, it's very weird how everything played out because if it didn't go, and if it literally went any other way, I would not be here. Um, if I would have had a different surgeon find my cancer specifically, I would not be here. Um, so his name is Dr. Podnos, and I will never forget that man because he, he found it, he brought me in, and was like, yeah, it's, it's Hodgkin's. And I was like, okay. And he was like, I'm going to get you set up with this doctor. He's going to take really good care of you. And um, he's going to take it from here. And I, I trust this guy a lot. So you're, you're in good hands. Turns out <laughs> he had been, he, he was like college best friends with this guy. Uh, they went to school together. And he also turned out to be literally the guy that runs the hematology oncology clinic for a subsidiary of UNC Hospital. Um, also one of the best oncologists in the world. Damn. I had no idea about wow. any of this. The dude is waitlisted for like a long, long time. And because um, people are just desperate to get his help um, and because he saves lives. Um, and he cares a lot about his patients. Um, so I saw him the next day, literally. And, um, there was no time, there was no lag, and I didn't register that that was a big deal because... Yeah, that's huge. Yeah, he yeah. was like, you're just going to go see this guy tomorrow, and it's just going to happen. Here you go. And I was like, all right, cool. Yeah. Like, going from one place to another, like, here we go. Mm. And that was... That, it, that wasn't even where it really set in. Like, diagnosis wasn't... I would say that it didn't actually set in, set in until the second time I got diagnosed. Like, truly. I went through the whole first run, and it was scary at times, for sure, and, like, the, the, the reality of what I had and the sickness and shit that I was feeling looking at what my body was doing externally. Yeah, that, that shit was scary, and, like, it was dark, and, like, I hadn't experienced fear like that before. And, like, that was when I met you, though. And, like, that was literally, like, I don't know. I'll, I'll get there in a second. What I will say about the first time around is the, the regiment that I did. Uh, it was called ABVD. Uh, and, like, each one is, like, an abbreviation. Each letter stands for a different drug that they're mm -hmm. pushing into your body. Um, each drug has a very specific way that it has to be pushed into your body. Like, um like X amount over 20 minutes or some shit like that, you know? <clears throat> so I would be there upwards of like six hours a day. Um, like when I was like, not like every day, but like when I was there for treatments, it would be like upwards of six hours. And then for ice, I have, I was actually hospitalized every two weeks for three days straight, like yeah. getting pushed with nothing, like yeah. nonstop chemo pushes. Um, and that, yeah. Um, but <laughs> so I went through my whole first regiment. I didn't throw up a single time, and I was so fucking proud of that. Like, that's a big deal. That's huge. Gosh. Go through chemo, and you, I mean, it was a lot of weed. A lot of weed helped <laughs> a lot. And, um, you know, <laughs> so I go in to the second time around, and I'm like, yeah, yeah, I got this shit. 
I didn't throw up a single time in my first regimen. And <laughs> I should have known from the look on the nurse's face when it didn't even budge, she was like, you're going to throw up. And yeah. I was like, we'll see. <laughs> we did. <laughs> so we so did in between like your first diagnosis and first treatment and the second mm-hmm. time around, like what was the time frame there? Like how, how long in between was that? So, yeah, I... I I definitely, I'll go back a little bit to explain uh, the staging and, and then uh, in terms of like the treatment plan. So when you get staged, this was the, the first little crack of the setting in was the staging. Right. I will say that because they have to check your bone marrow right? Um, because when lymphoma becomes stage four, it goes into your bone marrow. Um, and it becomes lymphatic leukemia. So they have to do something called a bone marrow biopsy. Yeah. And um, it's pretty intense. I don't know if, like, it's cool to go through all of it uh, for some people that may be weak of um, faint of heart. Uh, But essentially... They take something that it looks like a railroad spike with a corkscrew handle, and they hand turn it into the center of your pelvis. Oh my god! And you are awake. There is no medicine to numb bone, um, so you feel all of it. Uh, and That's once they insane. get to the center of your bone, they pull, and it's a hollow, you know, shaft that they're pushing through so that they can pull out the sliver of bone that they have just gone in through. And then they start pulling out your bone marrow, which I can really only describe as like feeling like they're pulling your soul out of your body. Like it's truly my whole body, like involuntarily like scorpioned, like my feet went up and my head went up and I was like hearing this screaming and I was convinced that it was my mom or my girlfriend, like just like, I was like, damn, it must be bad. Like, that sounds, oh, that, that's me. Oh, that's me. Oh, my God. I don't feel like I'm screaming. It. Like, it was like an actual out-of-body experience. Wow. Um, yeah, that was the first time, and that one went pretty pretty well, actually. Uh, so, all things considered. That's crazy. I had one that lasted, uh, <clears throat> it went horribly wrong. It was the third and final one. And at that point, after that one, I literally was like, if it, comes down to it and I have to get checked again, I'm just not going to because that's never happening again. Uh, it lasted two and a half hours. Oh, it should have. Dude. Yeah. Um, I was like literally tortured by a doctor, essentially. Um, they would push for 30 seconds and then would stop for two minutes and timed uh. it. And like, regardless of anything I said to her, she just kept doing it. Um, and like when you're pushing into something like that, if you're pushing into anything, with even with a screwdriver and you let off of it and then you go to yeah re-screw again you're changing that directional angle every time it's not like something in your control uh so she essentially zigzagged into my pelvis um and and like i have like permanent scar tissue like trapped in my in my bone marrow chamber now do they go into the same place each time they do it, or is it different parts of your... Different spots. Oh, my God. Mm. Yeah. Ugh. 
it was uh it was a lot for sure and that's um wild man that's crazy yeah. yeah so the first one though like i said that one went pretty standard they, they only are supposed to last a maximum of 25 minutes they're not supposed to last that long so two and a half hours Fuck, of that is literally like i i don't know how i remain sane like after that truly and um so like my doctor though when i first met him he was trying to like make me feel a little bit less nervous about like getting a bone marrow biopsy after he just walked me through this whole procedure and i'm like okay yeah okay and he's like dude it's fine i've i've done it like three times you're gonna be fine like everything's gonna be cool and i was like that's not a lot <laughs> yeah i was like three <laughs> he was like i'm be 300 I'm not doing it at all, so it's fine. <laughs> Whoa! Hey, so like, really, really, Jesus, man. Really quick, so I I remember having a talk with you and you telling me more or less like, dude, I can't do that again. Was that after the third time, or was that like after like mm-hmm. the second time? That was actually after the third time. Okay. That was, uh, yeah, and I like I didn't know how to talk about that like to that extent at that point it was just like how can someone even like do that and like you know in in retrospect like it it was definitely like she was she was not comfortable or okay with causing that much pain to me so she had to stop so that she could like regain composure Mm. and that's why she was doing it that way but dude get a different fucking job like I (laughs) I was literally That's like, look, I am crazy. a bite the bullet person and like you just do it and get it over with and we'll all walk out of here happy. Just give me some whiskey and like a log yep. to bite down on and just just go. That looks like you just like That's it. your teeth on. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, That's insane. And, uh, and there's there's no like no anesthetic or nothing to just I mean they put lidocaine in for the top like part of your for skin this, and the flesh that they have to right, go through yeah, the skin but that's it the bone is oh my there's god there's literally nothing they can do about that fuck what the fuck man that's insane mm-hmm. yeah Ooh. it uh <laughs> and what was fucking crazy is after the first one I like went back in the next day for labs and I had this woman who saw my bandage on my hip and I was like kind of like you know, just like kind of pressing on it to relieve some stress. And uh, she was like, bone marrow biopsy? And I was like, yeah. And she goes, you know, when I had my kid, I tore all the way from my B to my A. And I was like, we're getting really personal here. Okay. Like, wow. All right. What's your name? Like, who are you? Okay. And she was like, you know, I would rather have that happen a thousand times before ever getting one bone marrow biopsy. Mm. So know how strong you are. And then got up and left. And I never saw that woman again. Damn. It was just like this. That's wild. Whoa moment, yeah. Jeez. Uh, so now women can't hold that shit over my head. <laughs> <laughs> you will never know what natural childbirth feels like. Well, well you'll never know this Actually. Like, hold on, hold my beer. Yeah. <laughs> hey, y'all, watch this. Yeah. Hold my Red Bull. <laughs> Dude. Uh, but yeah, no, I, uh, so after that, we, we had a treatment plan lined up and for the record, you know, I was given these statistics, um, right after we were staged at stage three, they were like, you know, even with stage three, like there's no reason to panic. 
this is the survival rate for this is literally 97%. Mm. 97% of the people that get this cancer live, you know, and it never comes back once you get rid of it. There's like a 3% chance that it'll come back. And if it does, it'll be, you know, twice as aggressive and twice as hard to get rid of. But like it's fine. Ninety-seven percent, man. They told you this what the first the time. Yeah. Oh my god. Yeah. Damn. And you got it twice after that. Yeah. So mine came back uh, twice, and no one, no one's ever lived through that. Do you um, have? Do you have? Is can like? This is kind of cancer running your family at all, or are you the only one? Yep. Dang. Dude. So, and. Uh, so I, I'm I'm just sorry, like I'm like doing a quick. Oh little, no! Don't apologize, man. I'll keep Google going. Search. So like, stop me. <laughs> yeah, stop me when you have questions because it's just like a. I, I just kind of wanted to know, like, so what's the? Because I know that um, Hodgkin's lymphoma mm-hmm. is a lot less common than like a non-Hodgkin's lymphoma, correct? I think that they're about the same. What's what's the, like I'm not the really difference? Sure. Between the two, I don't know the exact difference in what the cells do in terms of like what cells they go after, really. Mm-hmm. But what I can tell you is it's it's significantly more common for non-Hodgkin's people for your cancer to come back. Okay, that's super common and it happens a lot. But it the the upside of it is it's never like stronger when it comes back. Mm-hmm. It's just always just as like annoying, you know. Right. But that enough times getting treatment enough times for it that still does major damage on your body so like it's still not ideal um but so with mine you know i'm given all this like positive news like everything's going to be fine this is just going to be like a six month long illness basically but it's like definitely something you're going to be shouldn't see it anything more than just like the flu for six months you know And that's basically what it was with the exception of, like, the underlying feeling that the chemo gave me. Right. Like, it's just, and I mean, anyone who listens to this that has gone through treatment will know what I'm talking about. It just, like, it's not, like, necessarily a taste, but it's, it's in, it's in the sense of taste, it's in your senses. Like, you can feel it somehow in in your your smell and your taste but it's not anything and it's just poison and it feels like you're being poisoned all the time uh and like but that's as far as it went with the first like regiment you know and you know obviously i like lost a lot of my hair and i refused to cut it So I was, like, walking around looking like fucking Gollum for, like, six months. <laughs> and, uh, like, everyone was like, why don't you just cut it? Like, you know, it's not that bad. And I'm like, because I refuse to, like, let this shit, like, change my lifestyle. Like, I want to have my hair, so I'm going to keep my fucking hair. Yeah. And, like, I had really, really long hair, like, a year before, not even a year before I got diagnosed and my fucking girlfriend at the time convinced me to cut it all off. And I was just growing it back out. And it was just getting to like a point where I was about to be like almost like I'd say like about here. And I was like, yes, like it's like past the awkward stage. Like, yeah, <coughs> diagnosed. Fuck. You're about to lose all this shit. I was like, I'm never cutting my hair again. Like, this is fucking <laughs> I'm never again. 
so, but anyway, that was like, that was the extent of the shit that I went through. And, um, you know, I was still in a very weird place, especially at the end of it, because that's when the questions of like, oh shit, like, what if this doesn't work? Mm-hmm. What if this hasn't been working? And like, what if it does come back? Right. And like, that's when my one of my best friends, and ironically enough, his name is Jeffy. Um, he showed me Hope Theory, and um, I hadn't really processed a lot of the fear and the shit that was going on in my in my soul, and like it was there and it was real, but I wasn't addressing it. Mm. And Hope Theory, man, oh, all right, I got this. Okay, so. The section that got me, that, like, literally, like, I I have never gone so quickly from just, like, yeah, whatever, I'm fine, to just, like, oh, 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 shit, like, <laughs> like, literally just emotionally just melt down just in this, like, holy fuck, I needed to hear that more than I ever knew, like, and it was even life at its worst, it doesn't even come close to the strength that you've shown or the fight that it took to get you to this point. Never look back, never lose sight, never lose hope. It's not a noose, it's a rope to pull you out of this mess that you're in. And when I heard the fight that it took to get you to this point, it resonated so hard with me because like I was literally fighting for my life every day. And like, no one, I think, really understands that unless they're going through it, you know, unless they, like, have that vibe. And, like, I didn't even see it like that. And, you know, Mike and I were talking about this earlier, just, like, about not wanting to, like, allow yourself to be able to, like, you know, feel and, like, hurt. And, like, you, you feel, like, almost undeserving to feel these things and, like, to feel this way. And, you know, I... I wasn't addressing that I was suffering and like that, that was just this huge encouragement in a, in a, in a time where like, I didn't even know I needed it. And like, I, it was the song that made me see that like everyone else was just so panicked and they couldn't help and they didn't know how to help. And so like, and at the end of the day, dude, like you don't have a support system. Like you, are everyone else's because you're the only one that knows how you feel and you're the only one that like can console them to know that like I'm okay you know and that's why I loved you so much because that's not you and you never were that for me man like you literally were always the guy that was just like yeah I don't really give a shit like it's going to be good. Like, we're going to get through this and you're going to get through this. You're strong as fuck. And it's just like, it's blatant. And I'd be like, okay, yep. That's all I needed. That's, that's, that's it. And, uh, yeah, dude, like that's, that was the beginning of a very, very, very powerful bond there. But to get back on track in terms of, uh, the treatment stuff, because that was like right at the end of my regiment. So I had to like, pop that little thing in there and uh oh i guess to finish off the the memory though because (laughs) so i went to every 
single other member of No Bragging Rights before I went to Mike because I was very nervous to meet Mike. <laughs> and I was like, this dude is going to be like, total. Dick I don't, I, I don't even know. Like, cause it's like, dude, you guys are like in a, you're, you were in a hardcore scene. Like you're, you guys were like a hardcore band and I know how those guys can be sometimes. And it was like, I'm a very emotional guy. Like those guys don't really give a shit about me very much. And it's fine. Like it's, it's your prerogative. That's cool. I don't really, you know, I don't really vibe with those dudes. And I was really worried that that was how it was going to be. And that's how I thought Goose was going to be from Comeback Kid, too. And that's, like, one of the nicest fucking dudes. Yeah, dude. Too. Yeah. He's awesome. I love Goose, man. He was really cool. Uh, but uh, I literally, like, I will never forget because it was Martin first. And you were like, dude, you got to find Mike, man. Like, that, you got you to gotta figure <laughs> out where he is. And I was like. Yeah, I think he's over there. I'm pretty sure. Like, yeah, I'll go. Yeah, it's that guy, right? Like, mm-hmm. like one of the, one of two Mexicans cool, in this cool. entire venue. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the other being Christian. <laughs> mm. So, I finally muster up the courage to come talk to you because I was I was I was determined to talk to you before your set. I wanted you to know that before getting on stage so that like you had that I don't know I was hoping it would like give you that motivation like give you just that extra like oomph of like fuck yeah like let's let's get on this stage and do some shit like that's dope cause dude you you hyped me up all the time from that point on like they want all of you dude like especially like Martin and like you guys when I got on stage that night I've never seen people go from zero to a hundred so fast. It was great. Like, like I, you know, I, I come up to Mike and I, I start telling him, you know, what I was going through and how, how much of a help his songs were to me and like what, what he has been for me, like without even like knowing me and how, how much it's helped and how much I'm sure it helps like other people just the same. And he started like, crying with me and it was this beautiful moment and like I I was not expecting that reaction I didn't know what to expect you know it was just like this I felt understood more than I think that anyone's ever like like made me feel like like it wasn't it wasn't just like understood but like it was like almost validating like you like had so much empathy for the things I was saying that it like felt like almost like the first time I was actually like being hurt, you know what I mean? And it just, it was this really great moment in that, in my life that I really, really needed. And like, you guys started getting on stage and I was like, yo, you guys playing Hope Theory tonight? And you were like, yeah, dude, come up on stage with us. And I was like, yeah, okay, for sure. And then you guys started (laughs) playing and it hit me. I was like, dude, they don't know I'm a vocalist. Like, I could go up there and sound like a coyote in a trash compactor and they couldn't say anything. Like, what? what? <laughs> that would be so awkward, so uncomfortable. It's, Good thing it's, I can scream. We're, it's happened, so. It's a- <laughs> <laughs> 
every now and then the first time every now and then we get the person who has a lot of heart that's wants to sing and then yeah. and then every now and then we'll you know obviously we'll get someone who's like oh who's like upstages me super hard and i'm like okay we'll give me back the fucking mic <laughs> give me that, <laughs> give me that. <laughs> yeah. uh you know okay, so, so one of the things for me i think we, i was talking to mike about this one of the things that kind of stand, stands out to me is like we we had talked we talked before so i knew the situation but at the same time you know like you're in the show and like you're up there and it's yeah. it's cool and i i have i have memories of like kind of looking out into the crowd and i just see people people sobbing like people that knew you you know and like oh yeah and so that was like that kind of hit me again too cuz it's i was you know cuz it was like I, I thought of it just like this is a cool this is a cool moment like this is yeah. crazy that he's mustering up the strength to even do this which is almost kind of shitty on my part, I think, to even be like, do you want to see ah, this with dude? us? Yeah, what you're a like, dick. <laughs> <laughs> like, real talk, though, man, like, I needed that more than <clears throat> I, like, I could have ever explained to you guys. Like, I couldn't play music anymore, and I hadn't been in a band in years, like, even before, like, the treatment. Like, I, I the last band I was in broke up in it's like 2011 or something. And then like, I just didn't do anything but run sound for so long. And I was so desperate to like be back in music. And I wanted to be a vocalist for a heavy band and like, no one took me seriously. And, uh, I, you know, when I got sick, it was like really, really discouraging for me in that regard because I worked really hard on my voice and like to get to a point where I was like confident to, to front a band, especially in the metal scene. And then when I got sick, it was just like that, that dream just felt so much further out of reach. Um, and like, it wasn't even about like trying to get big or anything like that. I just wanted to fucking do it, you know? And like, just even that was like a, such a goal for me. And that's why I'm like learning how to play guitar now. And like, cause I can play those drums like eight days a week. It's just, I didn't understand. And I still don't really understand guitar, but I'm getting there. It's, Wait, it's, so, so I'm sorry. I just saying that I'm, I'm kind of realizing. So your previous band, you, you were, you played drums or you weren't, you weren't the vocalist. I, so I was, uh, I was in a few bands. Uh, my first band, I was 14 and it was me and my older brother, David. And he played guitar and sang, and I played drums and sang. And uh, it was just like a two-piece, like, alternative rock band that was horrible. But somehow we drew a bunch of high school kids and just kept drawing. And that was how I made my name in the music scene. And I was, like, a kid kid, you know. So most of my friends are, like, you know, older generation of, like, of, like music guys, which I'm really grateful for because... They all had awesome music tastes, and I got introduced to bands like The Bled and, like, you know, friggin'. I got to see them this year. I don't know if I got to tell you that or not. I saw oh, did you go to Furnace, Furnace Fest? Fest? Oh, okay. Oh, you were oh, at Furnace God. Fest? That's cool. Yes. Yeah. Oh, dude. Absolutely incredible experience. I had never seen The Bled before, and it was like they literally did nothing but pass the flask. Like, it was just nothing but that record. And it was just like, oh, my God, so good. Anyway, uh... I, you know, so the next band I was in, <laughs> uh, well, I guess like the, the two piece kind of evolved into a, it went from like being an alt rock band. And then we, we met this guy named Tyler and he became the vocalist of our band. And it all shifted into this like weird pop hardcore shit that was like really like whack and 
again, still somehow didn't make any fucking sense. And like, we ended up like selling out places and we were all just like, why? Like, why is this (laughs) happening? Like, we're not good. Like, we know we're not good. And uh, that's the beauty of that stuff, though, like, uh, especially if you're in a scene that's not massive, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. Your scene is yeah. Not huge. It's just anything, any little taste of, of music is but like, like just you fun. Know, Tragic Hero Records is like their hometown is Raleigh. It's like yeah. we, we had that scene. There's yeah. a lot of much better bands that like, you can go and see <laughs> literally whenever, you know, but it was it was cool. And, and uh, so after that, I became the singer of a band called The Bitches Love Us. <laughs> and uh, it was a bunch of hardcore kids in a in a pop band. And yeah. um, we acted like hardcore kids when we played shows and like brought that kind of like aggressive energy to <laughs> pop shows uh-huh. and kids ate that shit up. It was very weird. And again, <laughs> not very good, but like I it was at least better, you know, for sure. And like we <laughs> We, like, ended up playing with, like, Jeffree Star. Uh, I played with Dev. I played with a lot of really big pop bands at the time, for sure. And, like, we, it was only because we were the only pop band in Raleigh. And everybody else was a hardcore band. So any <laughs> pop show that came in, it was just like, oh, I guess Sick. the bitches love us are playing mm-hmm. it. Like, <laughs> <laughs> What a name. That's oh, such a good God. name. So I feel better bitches now. Because at first I thought, you were, I thought you were saying that, like, you... You were never a vocalist, and I was like, "Oh shit!" <laughs> oh no, no, no! Uh, yeah, no. Okay. I was a vocalist uh, for for that pop band, you know. And uh, then at that point, I was like, "All right, well, like nobody's taking me seriously, obviously, because I'm in a fucking band called The Bitches Love Us. So, like, I should probably <laughs> take myself a little bit more seriously." Um, so uh, that's when I started like trying to branch out and like do metal. And you know, Architects was already my favorite band, like. 2008 on I was just like everything I can do to make my scream sound like that (laughs) I'm gonna do it and um and then I'm gonna play drums to Dan every day just every single day I memorized hollow crown on the drums for like I would play that from start to finish so much I don't know how where my stamina went I used to play so much drums dude all day and I it's called getting could, older. I could, yeah. I could yeah. barely it's play age. three songs now if I try. Aging, you know? dude. I don't even play drums anymore, unless I'm like Shut playing up, the show. I, <laughs> I don't, don't. I swear to God, Martin. <laughs> <laughs> shut, shut the fuck up. I forgot who we were with. Oh, it's true. I, I forgot who we were with. But someone, I was like, I was like, yeah, Martin. Uh, it was cool to hear Martin get to get behind a drum set because that was his first time uh, behind a kit and uh, and playing the songs because he just was. If we, you know, when we were demoing the entire album, he was yeah. just kind of jamming on his own. Wasn't it Steve? Was it Steve? Oh, it was Steve. Steve. Yeah. <laughs> Steve's like, fuck. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Martin's first time uh, playing the songs was when he recorded them. So, yeah, and, fuck you, Martin. <laughs> and, and Steve, the the person that we're talking about, is a machine yeah, on drums. Like so he's, good. He's, like, he's the drummer that fell in for me on the Census Fail Tour. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, oh yeah, 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 dude, that guy was cool as shit too. Yeah, yeah. he's, he's so awesome. good. Shout out Steve, I love you. He's playing in Voodoo, yeah, shout out Voodoo Steve, Glow man. Skulls now. Mm-hmm. Um, Word, I'll have to check them out. Yeah, um, but yeah, no, I so after that, not, I didn't really have any luck like finding like people that 
were doing the same, like wanted the same things out, out of the band, you know. And then I got sick, and uh, you know, once I was cleared, it was probably like two months after I was cleared. Uh, this guy approached me and was like, "Hey, man, like." I got these songs. I don't know if you're in a band or anything, but like it's metal and I don't know if like you'd be interested. And I listened to like one of them and was like immediately just like, yeah, like let's do this because I need to write. Like I need to write, I need to write, I need to write. <laughs> and, um, I don't know how to write, but I'm going to figure it out. And, um, <clears throat> you know, it was, uh, it was definitely like a dream come true in a lot of aspects, but unfortunately it was, it was something that I had wanted for so long that I wasn't thinking about the timing of everything and why he was approaching me when he was and what he was doing in that moment. Um, and that did not come to light until unfortunately about five years later. Yeah. Um, uh, capitalizing on your situation, you mean, is that... Yeah, yeah, 110%. So, and, uh, that's unfortunate. Yeah. And, and this, is this the album? Me. Yeah. The, the album that... Yeah. Yep. Do, do you... Uh, do you, Now, I, like, I don't know how you... Like, do you want to plug the name of that band? Or is it like a kind of... Yeah, band? it's called Inferma. Okay. Um, absolutely. No, I, I have no ties with them whatsoever and have no issue talking about it. Um, I heard they released music... I don't, I, whatever. Yeah, um, so what I can say is that uh, they came to me at a point where I was desperate for help and desperate for connection. Um, I was so isolated for so many years and uh, had no foundations and I had to rebuild everything, you know, not just my life, but like everything. And these people came to me and wanted to help me build, help me rebuild that be that, be that, you know, support for me and encouraged me to write out my traumas because it would be healthy. And I did, we wrote an EP. It was great. We released a music video that got a lot of attention and it got so much attention. In fact, that a record label reached out to our studio that we recorded at and asked like if they had an album, like if we had an album's worth and at that point, we were like, okay, well, we got to write five more like ASAP and I got to figure out what else I want to dive into with those five songs. Um, so it was kind of cool how I did it because the first five are really focused on the treatment aspect of it. Um, and it kind of ends like the whole thing's like a timeline and it ends right at, you know, where I, I, didn't think I was going to make it. It got like really, really close. And um, so song six comes back in and it's right at the point of when I beat it. But like my emotions and like my mental state and everything like that was not what you would expect uh, hearing that you are going to live. I wasn't happy in any way. I was very angry um, for a long time. And it was... You know, we, we'll get there. Um, but basically, uh, I, I wrote from that point on was, was like the recovery side of everything after treatment, the things that people don't hear about ever. And, um, you know, you hear about people like beating cancer and all this shit, but like, dude, 
that is the tip of the iceberg, unfortunately. Uh, and just refocus that. Um, but yeah, no, it's it, there was so much more after. That was so much harder than anything I went through treatment-wise. And it was all mental. Like, everything was mental. That was, like, the most difficult shit to, to conquer and to get through. And, like, <clears throat> you know, they manipulated me, for sure, and, and put me into a position where they could, like you said, capitalize on my situation. And, like, they were, they were helpful. They helped me in times. Like, don't get me wrong. But, like, they knew what they were doing. And uh, when it came down to it, Kyle, the guy who approached me initially, he ended up actually having a baby and leaving the band. And, like, about a month later, uh, they... <laughs> Basically, we, were, we had finished everything. It was all done. Uh, we, all we needed was mixing and mastering. And they were convinced that we needed to go to this one guy and one guy only... He was insanely expensive and not that good. And I was like, I know people that could do just as good, if not better, for about half of this price. Why would we do this? Oh, this guy's got like a YouTube notoriety. Why does that any of that matter for mm. us? He's mixing and mastering our shit. It's not, what is he going to do? <laughs> yeah. Is he going to promote us and market us? Like, no, that's not, <laughs> no. So, whatever, I ended up, like, giving up on it because I was getting outvoted and there was nothing really I could do about it anyway. Mm -hmm. So, whatever, kept my mouth shut. In the mixing and mastering process, the dude decided that he wanted harmony tracks added that I didn't do. So he did them himself and figured I wouldn't notice that there was someone else's voice on the story about my fucking cancer. Mm -hmm. uh, my bandmates who told me specifically that they did not want to be on the record vocally because it's my story and it needs to be coming from me. I Once they put it to me like that, I was hell-bent on that concept because that's absolutely right. No one felt this pain, so no one needs to be talking about it or singing about it on this record. End of story. And I told him up and down, if you want tracks that I hadn't done, tell me. Give me a reference, like, track, or give me key, like, notes on a keyboard and fucking MIDI it. Send it to me. I will do it for you and send it back. And he didn't respond to those messages, for one. And then I was like, I don't want to work with this dude. Like, he's not listening, for one. And, like, that in itself, no. Like, why would you not listen? You're not doing your job. Like, we're not paying you to do this. I don't want your voice on it, you know? Uh, and they were like, dude, I think you're overreacting. Like, it's fine. Like, maybe it's just because he doesn't know the story. You know what? That's fair. So I called him and we talked for an hour and a half about all of this. And the dude literally was like uncomfortably laughing through the whole thing. And at least at the very end was like, yeah, dude, I understand now where you're coming from. No problem. Sends us another track the next day. Nothing's different on it. Wait, so hold on. I'm sorry. Maybe, maybe I just missed it. Was this a member of your band that was doing it? Or no, was this, this is the producer, dude that was mixing and mix mastering. Yeah, the producer. Does he live in Riverside? 
<laughs> no, he lives in Maryland. I was saying that. That's wild. Uh, like, uh, yeah. How do yeah. you change somebody um, else's project? Where? So, I, I'm. Hold on, so sorry. I'm trying to like pull pot. Like trying, oh, no, trying to understand. Yeah. So like, were these ideas even good? Like, were, or was it something where you could have been no. like, I see what you're doing. I can redo. They're this. basic as fuck, and like they they didn't even add much at all mm. to it. So and, it was and like, were, how were you guys here? How were you guys like? Think, what, they what, were, were indifferent the, about it because it literally didn't really make much of a difference. But uh, for me, it was like a principal thing at that point because I was like, motherfucker, like you did not go through this. They all understand it. Why can you not? But what, trying when to get you're credits? not even a part of it. Yeah, what blows my mind. That's is, what it sounded like to me. Yeah, what blows my mind is that it's like you know this is a guy that's supposed to be like. Mixing and mastering your record, not somebody that's in the band. Like it'd be one thing at if all. it's the dudes that are in your band that are like, "Hey, it'd be sick to do harmonies." And you're right. like, "Cool, all right, you yeah, know, whatever." There were so many it's harmonies yeah. on the whole record, like so many harmonies that I had done that were really unique and excellent harmonies. And he was adding these basic bitch vanilla ass harmonies to my <laughs> shit, and I'm like, "Dude, you're taking away from the stuff I put in. Like, what <clears> are be you so doing?" Mad. That'd be so. I mad. was pissed, yeah. and like. I I was so flabbergasted that this motherfucker sent me another mix with his voice on it after we had just had that talk. Right. And I didn't say anything when he sent it. And about two hours later, he was like, I guess you didn't hear it. Dot, dot, dot. Mission accomplished. LOL. So no, I, no, I heard it, dude. Push it. <laughs> and so it. I said, hey, man, for future reference... If someone doesn't say anything to you after you sent a mix, it's probably not a good thing. And uh, then immediately contacted my band and was like, I'm done. Like, fuck this dude. I'm not paying him to do this. Like, no. And they all literally were like, yeah, dude, we get it. Honestly, that was really fucked up what he did, but we're still going to go with him. I wonder why. So, do you, okay, so... So, so obviously they had to replace you as a vocalist eventually. Mm-hmm. Was it was that someone they brought in, or was it someone that was already in the band? That was someone who I called from the start. Who, when he joined the band, I told them that's what he was going to do. Mm. Uh, our bassist Zane is now the vocalist, and, and all of my lyrics got erased, and they're just rewriting all of the shit. I was gonna say, I was like, I don't know how someone can step in because for anyone who's never heard it, again, understand your story, like. Like, I know, I know there's things that, you know, obviously I've heard, I've heard the song, at least the songs that you did. Um, some, I guess, you know, pretty open for interpretation, but at the same time, like some of them are very like, like straightforward, straightforward. And you could, you know, it's like, I I don't know how you could, I don't know how you could bring someone on to sing your songs. And so, oh no, yeah, they're completely different lyrics. My battery's about to die. Hang on one sec. Mm -hmm. I have my other one already ready to go. Yeah, it just that just seems like such a wild scenario to to have somebody just be like, "Let me just add my own shit to your yeah. shit." I wonder. I mean, I don't know if they if they probably would ever even tell them. I wonder if that was like kind of a well, like they. Like they I mean, tri- they you, knew it'd get you going. You know what I mean? To be like, yeah, they acknowledged that it was fucked up, and they were like, "But we're gonna go with them anyway." And I was mm-hmm. like, "Okay, well, you guys are clearly trying to get me out of the band." So, mm-hmm. so, so to to kind of make sense of like the the Riverside thing joke that we had. Both of us have like new little side projects or whatever. We both recorded at the same place, 
and both kind of dealt with that very same thing of somebody just being like, Oh no, you're doing like, you're doing that wrong. And you're like, what do you mean I'm doing that wrong? I, I wrote the song. Like, what are you Am talking I? about? Yeah, these are, these are, our Am I doing it? yeah, <laughs> these are like, we wrote that. And he's like, no, you're, you're doing that wrong. Like, what do you mean we're doing it? Wrong? It doesn't even make any fucking sense. Like this is the way we wrote it. So we both, it's funny. We literally both recorded the same place. You know? I guess different. Well, no, more the same, I guess. Like we, my my big thing was uh, like we we'd given notes for the mix, uh-huh. and then like and then it just like they weren't added. Like even like simple things like, hey, can we put like a radio effect on this one or like a like a megaphone effect on this or hey, can we do this or that? And after the first mix, we didn't like none of it was there. And then we got and he charged us each time we had a mix. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So I was just like, okay, I was like, we can't. I mean, even if we wanted to, even if like. Even if the mixes were dope, I was like, we can't afford this. Like, we can't Keep afford to pay track, for every mix. Bro. I'm good. Yeah, and so sucks. Yeah, I, I'm I'm very fortunate to have uh, some really really good friends in audio that have like taken good care of me ever since. Like, I got out of the band. I've been doing my own music and like tracking on the side, and you know, it's not like it's not heavy or anything like that. It's it's my music. It's very like unique. I don't know. It's not like it's not not heavy, but it's also not like metal either. And um, it's cool. It's got a lot of like I don't know, like like old school, like Thirty Seconds to Mars vibe, like the Kill, mm-hmm. like that kind of era. And um, yeah. So can, can I know, ask something? Can we like yeah? Yeah. Before we before yeah. we move on. Uh, so I mean, because I it's funny. I, I think I, I'm pretty. I have your I have that EP on my. Yeah, yeah, you have the whole still. record. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Um, I mean, obviously, right now, I'm sure when you think about it, it's not the best memory, especially with how everything went down. But can you are you are you able to at least listen to the songs because it's your story? You know what I mean? Is it does it bring you anything or is it just bring up a bad memory or just even just a bad I, literal time in your life? Like what's honestly, it's just indem- indifference at this point. Uh, and that's like a, that's progress. Like, cause for a long time it was bitterness. And yeah. so like, I think indifference is, is a good, is a step in the right direction for mm-hmm. sure. And like, you know, I, I hope one day I'll be able to listen to it. And like lyrically, that is some of my proudest work. I mean, mm-hmm. hands down the things that I wrote, the, the, the metaphors that I used. The demon. I remember you were talking, you explained the cancer. I was like a demon, right? Yeah. Yeah. So I use the metaphor of, like being possessed by a demon to talk about like the anger and like the fear that would manifest into anger and like all of the trauma and shit that I was repressing that just like eventually I snapped and I, there was a lot of memory issues and stuff that I had after at the end of my treatment because of all of the chemicals and all of the trauma and everything like that. And so I, I, it would be like, I would have these like stints of just nothing and when I would come back to being myself again, people would tell me I did this shit that I'd be like, I never did that. Like, that wasn't, that's bullshit. And like, that's weird that you would even try to say that to me. Like, and it was always true. You know, I always did it. And it was like being in a fucked up dream, you know, and like knowing that it's real, but not being able to wake up to be yourself to, to like fix shit until it's all way, way, way burned to the ground. So 
I used this metaphor of waking up like in this just like destruction, you know, like every time I came to. And it was cool because in the in the record, this demon became like a persona of his own. And like there were these like underlaying like vocal, you know, takes of like the demon talking like throughout the whole fucking record. Like if you listen close enough, you'll be able to hear it like come about and stuff. Mm-hmm. But, like it would accent like the the moments of pure anger and stuff. But but, one of the things that's like almost haunting from that is uh the the phone call, the phone or the voice voice uh voice recording because I remember you telling That's me about probably that. yeah, that that uh that was probably the the one thing that came out better than any other audio thing that we did. And every single track in between each track was uh like an interlude thing that we would make. Yeah. So for and that phone call, oh, you want to explain one that whole interludes? Can you, mm-hmm. can you kind of explain what the phone call was? Because when you yeah. was ta- when yeah. you, I remember you telling me about it, and I was just like, because I, I think you were asking me like, dude, is this, dude, is this too much? Is this like, cheesy? Is yeah. what I asked you. <laughs> well, I was like, for my answer to any, because we would we would talk, and I don't even know if what where you were in the process of a lot of stuff, but I was like, dude, if it's your life, it's not cheesy, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And so Yo, hold that I'm so sorry guys. I have to I have to go to the bathroom so bad. I'll be right back. Thirty seconds. Dude, I mean he'll 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 go into it more, but like we I mean we would have conversations, he'd ask me about some of these songs. He's like, dude, he's like he's like, is it he's like, is this wrong? Like I'm writing about something that's so specific to my life. Yeah. And but, uh, it, but like, that makes sense though, because it's it's your life. It's you like at that point. It, you're not writing this record for anybody else but yourself, right. you know. So, and it's so like, it's crazy. It, I, I, when he comes back, we can talk about more. But it feels like, it really does feel like such a shame that it's not out. Like these songs aren't more like being pushed out because, for one, like who writes? You know, uh, uh, me. Uh, only other person I can think of that's like had like a thing of form of cancer that still performed and even had a little bit of it in the lyrics was uh, uh, Daryl Palumbo from Last Jaw. Mm-hmm. You know, and like, I remember talking to him because he's like, dude, he's like, well, like how many people have cancer? When I'm like, dude, well, it doesn't matter. This is like your story and you get to like, you have an opportunity to, to release it here. And like, even if people don't have, you don't have to have cancer to understand what it's like to, to be going through something or have be, or experiencing something you can't control. Right. And yeah. the, so, so like, I guess the, the idea and the concept of like truly getting your like really getting your emotions out onto the record that you're recording is like something that you, I guess you think about, but you like kind of don't really think about. So like Martin just kind of like, so you, the, the first two torture cultural torture culture singers, singles, can't even talk. The first two <laughs> torture culture singles that were put out were just like a rush job. Like we had to get them out. Done, right. right. So we re-recorded both songs and, we recorded burn, which of course was about the scenario that we both went through. Mm-hmm. Right. And there's a part in there where like, I was almost like rapping or like that, that like slow talking part. Mm-hmm. And so we're in the studio and I, I go to record that part and Martin goes, um, like he comes on the talk back mic and Martin goes, Hey, how about instead of you talking that, like you get like angry, like you get really, really angry, you know? And I'm like, okay. And then, so like I did it and then he goes, no, 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 no. Like, like, I want you, like, screaming at the top of your lungs angry. I'm like, okay. So that part on the record now, when we rec- we recorded it, I 
you've been to dance in the studio, mm-hmm. the mic set up here. I'm standing at the other end of the room. Like I backed all the way up and I'm just like, like teenage anger screaming like at the top of my lungs. Producer Martin. Yeah. Hit, Martin. hit up Martin to help Martin, Martin with the cool shit. Mm-hmm. So, um, but yeah, like to me, I would have thought like, oh, like that wouldn't sound cool. And Martin's like, no, no, no. Just like make yourself sound angry as fuck. Like just be mad. If you're mad, be mad. You know, I'm like, okay. We we went on we went on our own little tangent. Just I was just talking about how more more or less how uh, in your early stages of writing, I remember you being like, should I even talk about this? Like, this is such yeah. a unique kind of thing to me. And I was like, dude, yeah, man. Like, lean into it. Like, yeah, it's your it's your life. It's your story. Like, dude, it's not, it can't be cheesy. I'm so glad we're on this subject because, like, <laughs> I don't even know if you know this or not, but. Before I was sick, my whole life, <clears throat> I, had, I had, like, crippling dyslexia. Like, really, really bad. I was in special ed my whole life, all the way up until my school just, like, stopped offering it. And they just, eh, you're fine. That's crazy, because you talk so yeah. well. I know, you're so well-spoken. <laughs> um, yeah, I, like, literally read at, like, an eighth-grade level all the way up until treatment. And there was this point, I don't really know (laughs) what it was. It was either the human trial or the stem cell. But six months around that time, like after treatment, I was going through Facebook and I saw this article. And like, it didn't even register in my head at first. But like, it would have normally taken me like, I would have gotten like two paragraphs in like an hour later just gotten frustrated, like, just gave up. I wouldn't even, like, read the fucking article. And I read the whole thing in, like, two minutes. And closed out of it, kept scrolling. I was like, what the fuck was that? Wait a minute. And I, like, scrolled back up, clicked on the article again, and, like, reread it and just started, like, crying, dude. Like, because it was just this moment of, like, why is this making sense? Like, out out of nowhere, for no reason whatsoever, all of a sudden, it's just, like... You can read. Dang. I was just like, okay, well. That's sick. What, 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 do you attribute, read. what do you attribute it to? I think that something, and it, it could have been a combination of it, but it had to have been either the human trial or the stem cell transplant because before that, I, I remember distinctly having memories before my trial of me still having problems reading. Dang. And, uh, at that point, things get a little fuzzy, um, but yeah, it was like probably, it, was, it probably wasn't even six months, too. it was probably like two or three months after I Wait, like so started it, like really being able to read super well, and that's when I started asking you about writing techniques, and that's when you started explaining these things to me that you would do to help like, help you get out of writer's block, like just get like some critical thinking going and like just opening up your brain and using like like utilizing like the thesaurus and like dictionaries things like that and like I know dude none of the things that like anyone has ever tried to explain to me in terms of like English grammar any of it made any sense up until the point of me asking you these questions and 
so honestly, I see you as like, I've always seen you as like a writing teacher to me. And like, you've literally, like, you are the reason why I can write at all now. So like, dude, somewhere my professors are rolling over. <laughs> Thank you, man. I dude, and my classmates are probably like, wait, what? Like, I'm sorry. <laughs> Mike, Michael Perez. Dude. I, I first off, I appreciate uh. that a lot, man. Um, yeah, but man. my school had a we had like, it was like a writing lab where we can like submit our papers, get proofread and all that stuff. And uh, I was there a lot. And <laughs> we had we just, I, I don't even want to talk about this because like not even. But um, you know, whenever we we would in college, we would do like we uh, proofread each other's papers and uh, and whatnot. And I remember feeling so bad for who I had. To, I'm like, dude, I'm so sorry. Like, I don't, I'm not. I don't feel like I'm a very enough, like a strong enough uh, writer. My grammar isn't the best. And so I'd always feel bad, like whenever people yeah. would, would trade with me, I'm like, oh, it looks good to me. You <laughs> sure, like, man? Like, you yeah. Can, I'm like, you like can other, find somebody easier, bro. Yeah. Well, no, like I, when I get other people's papers and like me giving like cr- like a critique or anything or, or trying yeah. to, cr- you know, fix grammar, I was just like, I don't know, looks good. And then, you know, they get like a lower score and I'm like, fuck, dude, I'm so sorry. But like scholastic, so sorry. scholastic writing and, and, you know, writing for, yeah, yeah. you know, informational purposes is completely different than writing from like a creative standpoint. For sure. That's so, so true, dude. And That's I, so true. And I bet, I bet any, I, I'm sure some of the tips I gave you were just tips that I probably picked up mostly probably from Will Putney, I think. Yeah. He was, uh. <laughs> well, dude, wherever they came from, it was the first time that like concepts like that even would like make sense to me like dude learning techniques were difficult for me to pick up things that like things that never really helped in the past that I was so discouraged to try again with that just once you started explaining that stuff to me it like completely made me realize like I can figure I can learn like I I can understand this stuff and like Ever since then, it's just been, like, constantly growing and learning and knowing, like, new shit and just, like, my brain's just, like, a giant trivia box of unnecessary, useless garbage <laughs> knowledge that I, will never get me anywhere in life, but it's cool. Wait, it's so is, is, the, is the dyslexia just gone? It's just gone. Damn. It's like those people 110%. get, like, struck by lightning and they can speak Spanish. Have you seen that? Yeah, uh-huh. that kind of, I literally yeah. attributed to that, dude. Yeah. <laughs> you, you never heard like, that. People, Oh, dude, that's a thing. Yeah. yeah, if you get if you get certain kind the... of head traumas, you can you can wake up literally speaking a different language. You can have like, like a piano. British accent yeah. for what no the... reason. Yeah, you just like, like it just, just makes like no sense. Something. I think one of the yeah. it just another... unlocks something in your brain that just I'm 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 spaced on his name, but someone that we, I think I think someone you went to school with, uh, one one of our friends, uh, he discovered he he just needed glasses, and when he got glasses, Rudy. Rudy, it was Rudy. <laughs> uh, we had uh, with this friend of ours who, like, uh, for years. Hold on, I'm so sorry. I have to, I have to pee really bad. <laughs> for yeah, years, yeah, yeah, like dude. for years and years and years, he never knew that he needed glasses. He never knew that, like, he just thought everything in the world was blurry, right? So, like, he would, he that would, was my, that was yeah, he my would look at the board and he was like, "What's going on?" And then, like, one day, somebody was just like, "You need glasses." He goes, "What?" And he went and he had his, he got an eye exam, and then. They gave him glasses, and he was like, "Oh, <laughs> like I thought. I thought everybody just saw this way. Like I just thought that this was the way everything looked." And so it was luckily, luckily, I got I got glasses. I was probably in, 
I was in the first grade. I made it all the way through fucking kindergarten without glasses. Holy shit. Blind as a fucking bat, dude. Yeah. I am legally blind. I have, I have like, negative seven-something. Are you wearing contacts? It's, it's, yeah. Okay. Yeah. It's stupid, dude. It's just, like, there's no, there's no seeing without glasses or contacts. <laughs> and my dad, one day I asked him, I was, like, it was, like, right at the end of my kindergarten year, and I'll never forget this memory either because... I asked my dad what time it was, and he was like, you're old enough to read a digital clock. Like, what does that say down there? And I was like, and I had to get up off the couch and walk all the way up to the VCR just so I could be like, yeah. oh, all right, yeah. And they were like, mm-mm, no, no, no. <laughs> yeah, that's, we're going to the doctor. <laughs> yeah, that's not okay. Yeah, There's... and like on the way home, I literally was like, there are trees <laughs> Sorry if my everywhere. Like, do you see how giant... This place is yeah. What it just keeps going. <laughs> there's there's this video that's like been circulating around like Instagram and shit like that lately of this this baby girl who's get who gets glasses for the first time and she's like oh, a, yes. she's an infant so it's like the have you seen it? She, uh-huh. It's got like the headband glasses that like stick to her right, and so mm-hmm. they put the glasses on her and she like lights up like like it's yeah, the dude. fucking cutest thing like it makes she's you like cry. crying it's her shit. eyes out. And she's and just she doesn't walking want around. the stuff of her face, and she's like little. Yeah. She's like super nervous, and then the second they go on, she's just like, and like everything is just clear to her, and you're like, <laughs> "Fuck!" <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh god! Yeah, if, if people knew the videos we sent, <laughs> no, our, yeah, our inbox is unreal. I like. I feel like I like. I like that. Uh, what Chris and like that that thing where we the videos we send. I feel like those like those are men. Men, we have a post. we have a group message between us and then Chris, who um, who's a friend of ours, and it's entitled "Frijoles and White Bread" mm-hmm. because he's a big white guy, and uh, <laughs> and we just send like really masculine stuff back and forth. But then <laughs> when it gets to like the emotional stuff, it's me and Mike just, send <laughs> just to each other. <laughs> we don't include Chris on it. Mostly like singing videos, yeah. Or just like Dude, really, really touching, like yeah, inspirational like, things. It's gonna make you cry. Thanks. Yeah. Listen, uh, add me to that group because I literally get those <laughs> shits all the time, and I have no one to send them to. So I'm just wait, like, the the emotional or the man stuff? Yeah, the yeah, man the, stuff the emotional, emotional ones okay, for okay, sure. Cool. Yeah, uh, I Mostly... literally just saw this video last night of this whale that like saved a, yeah, a diver's life from a shark. I don't know if you guys heard. Oh that yeah, yeah, yeah. No. Yeah, this humpback whale literally like charged at this diver who has been a researcher of whales for like 30 plus years. She spent her whole life underwater and literally has never once seen or heard of an experience like this before. And she had a GoPro on when it happened. It's fucking crazy. And like the, the footage is very, very intense. This, I mean, a humpback whale is massive and it has barnacles and stuff that grow on the edge of its fins. So if you get clipped by a fin, like that shit will cut you up. Like it's really sharp. Right. And uh, so it kept, like, trying to tuck her under its pectoral fin for some reason and, like, wouldn't stop trying to do that. And she was trying, she thought that it was, like, him being aggressive. It was a male, too. And when she was, like, at a distance, she was, like, watching two whales in the distance and one of them saw her and that's when he started charging at her. So anyway, after about two or three passes and he gets like frustrated enough, he ends up using the tip of his mouth to like push her out of the water uh, with his nose, and, like literally surfaces her. 
And she's like, what the fuck is going on? Like, tries to wave down her boat, like, hey, something's wrong. But before she can even do it, she's back under. And uh, so about that moment, she turns and looks at his eye. And his eye, like, you know, whale's eyes are generally a little, like, squinted. You know, very relaxed eyes. This dude literally went from that to, like, this. And his eye, like, you watch the pupil, like, dilate. Like, paper, paper thin, just like, doop. And it's not looking at her when he's doing it. And you're like, okay, something's going on. And she turns around to look in the direction that the whale was looking, and he, she sees the other whale coming their way. And the whale looks kind of weird, and it has its pectoral fins like straight down, and its tail is going from side to side instead of up and down. And then she realized that it was oh, like fuck. the largest tiger shark that she had ever seen in her life, and it wasn't a whale at all. And it was coming at her full speed. And at that point, the whale had basically been like, okay, that's enough, and picks this bitch up on his back and surfaces her, riding on his back, and swims her to their boat. And she just walks off of the whale's back onto the boat. Fuck. And the whale just starts, like, celebrating and shit and, like, fucking doing dives, blowing water out of its blowhole. One year later... Uh, it came back exactly one year and like 13 days later, the whale came back and she said that she had like been at these islands for 30 years and has only seen two whales ever return to that place. She's all, she's never seen the same whale twice, more than two occasions. Mm-hmm. And this dude came back and spent like an hour with her out in the, out in the water. And like, literally there's like a shot of him like laying vertically out of the water holding her up with his fin and she's just like hugging his fin and they just like laid like that's that. so fucking cool <laughs> like i was bawling like a baby back bitch dude i was just like yeah you can be part of the group <laughs> yeah this yeah is you're like, in you're in this is the best shit i've ever seen it's like a big dog like dude yeah it's funny <laughs> i, I mean, that's not funny but it's just awesome it's just powerful dude like yeah. the fact that for one, like, the whales, like, show such, like, altruistic, like, behaviors towards species that are not their own, which is so wild, dude. Like, that whole concept in general, like, that they want to protect and do right by, like, other beings. That's just a, so beautiful to me. I love it. <laughs> All right. So where were we? Okay. Um... I think let's let's what I I think let's talk about because we're we're going on almost two hours. Um, Are we really? Yeah. So let's let's do this. I want to talk about like what was the feeling and emotion after that third time that you, um, mm. you know, what, like when they're like, okay, yeah, you're you you've you've beat this. You know what I mean? Like you're. Yeah, yeah. So what I will say is. Um, when it came back the second time around, and, and I'll make this part uh, quick, just because uh, it, it is kind of wild, the the slope and slants of each time it came back and their demeanor with each time it came back. Um, but the second time around, it was like, hey, you know, we did a scan, 
and it looks like you know it's it's back and it's coming back pretty hard. So we're gonna we're gonna try and hit this and nip it in the bud and get it as clear as we can. And like since we know that it's gonna come back, you know we're we're gonna have to like grab stem cells like the second you get cancer free. Like we know that it's gonna come back, so we need to like get those stem cells from your body so we can freeze them and then make sure that like that is there ready, you know, at the very least. Um, and unfortunately, uh, it, a lot of shit happened the second time around and like with like the hospital I was supposed to, uh, get checked into and I never got a call from them for like weeks and never got a call never got a call. I was told I was going to go in on the 29th and I didn't even hear from them until January 13th of, and like I was supposed to go in the 29th of December for my stem cell. I was leaving voicemail every day to one lady. It's not like I was like having to go through a phone system. I was calling one lady directly. She would not answer. And finally the 13th comes around she calls me and is like, Hey, like you go in on the 15th, like everything's set up. I was like, no, I'm not going in until I get another scan because I'm telling you right now my cancer's back. And she was like, there's no way that's not possible. And I was like, you're wrong. And you're telling me that I don't know my body. I'm not going into that place without another scan. Yeah. And sure enough, it had come back again. And this time around, it was like bad, bad, bad. Um, the, the second time was bad. It was twice. I mean, every time it came back, it was twice as hard to get rid of uh, as the last time and twice as aggressive. Um, so the third time around, it was Hail Mary time, you know. Um, there was only one regimen of chemo we could try that was left. Um, and I didn't even make it four months into that regimen when they took me off of it. Um, and like the day it happened, you know, the chemo wing of, of the oncology place is like in the back of the, uh, of the practice, like when you go in uh, to the lobby. And like when you go in from the lobby, like to the offices area, like that's like a whole separate side of it. So you don't really go into a room when you're getting pushed for chemo day. Like uh, you just go straight to the back where all the chairs are. Um, they brought me into a, a room uh, that day and I was like, that's weird. And then my actual oncologist like came in and he was so busy that like you most of the time, like I, I dealt with his PAs, I would see him at least like, I saw him like twice a month generally, but like, that's it. And he came in the room and I was not supposed to see him that day. And I was like, Hey, like, what are you doing here? Yeah. What's up? He dude? was like, Hey man. Uh, so listen, uh, we're gonna, we're gonna take you off of this. It's not, it's not, it's not working. And I was like, okay. And at this point, you know, this guy's had, he's had a solution for me every time there, that something hasn't worked. And so at that point I was like, all right, well, like, what's the, what's the next step? You know, he got really quiet and was like, you should go and do things that you've never done before. Wow. And I just kind of sat with that. Um, and he, you know, he hugged me at that point. 
and we both like kind of cried there for a minute. And I didn't even, it wasn't even like <laughs> registering yet that he said that to me. Um, but I had a month to sit on that. I had no radio contact like, like from them whatsoever. No phone calls, no checkups, no nothing for 30 days after they said that to me. Um, and so for 30 days, I had to rationalize why a 24-year-old was going to die. Um, and could not come to any sort of logical uh, rationalization there. So in, attempt, in, in an attempt to cope and accept my reality, I was telling myself every day what would be okay and what, what things would be better when I was gone. And I would tell myself that, like, my parents wouldn't have, you know, the financial burden that I've put on them for years at this point. Uh, my friends, like, wouldn't have to watch me suffer and in turn suffer by watching me go through this much pain. You know, and this is why it's okay and this is why it's, like, right that I'm dying. This is why I need to die. This is why the universe is making me die. And so... You tell yourself that for so long, you accept it as truth. And so when I got a call from my doctor a month later saying that he had found a human trial and that I start Monday, you know, he never gave up. I felt very abandoned, you know, in that moment. But, you know, meanwhile, that dude never, ever, ever stopped. He called me on a Friday night at 11.30 p.m., that dude left the hospital at 3 p.m. every day at the latest. And he called me just leaving the office that night on a weekend at 11.30 and was like, I just got done like filling out your paperwork like you start on Monday. And uh, it <laughs> gave me something called nemonitis. And uh, I am, you know, don't mean to brag, but the sole reason why this drug it will never pass the FDA. So, <laughs> you know. <clears throat> yeah, those silver linings. <laughs> pretty, pretty cool. Um, Holy shit. No. <laughs> Wait, so what is so, ne yeah. what's nemonitis? So the outermost layer of your heart has this fluid that it produces. And okay. it keeps it lubricated and pumping correctly. So what this drug was doing which it was really fucking cool for starters. Immunotherapy is like the future of cancer treatment. Right. That is what is going to replace chemotherapy. I was one of the first subjects to ever get an immunotherapy that was targeted towards lymphatic leukemia. Um, so what it does is instead of like just wiping everything out, it goes in and teaches your immune system to look at a cancer cell and be like, hey, that's not your own body. Like that's not good. And, like, it teaches you how to naturally fight it with your own immune system. It's fucking incredible. Um, and, like, when it works, it's, like, it, it's crazy. It's magic. And, like, but it, so, like, that, that fluid, though, kept producing. And it was also causing that fluid. Basically, the, the, the response or receptor that needed to be fired off when it was like, okay, that's enough. Like we're lubricated. Stop producing it. It was just not being heard. And, uh, it was so much that
that it ended up like constricting my heart from beating properly for a while. And then it kept producing, it kept producing, and then burst at the seam and started filling my lungs up. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was essentially drowning internally. What the fuck? Um, so I, <laughs> I knew that this was the only treatment left, you know? And like, there was nothing else. I already had a month of them like just looking for this. So if I, if I tell them that this is happening and I can't breathe, I'm going to be taken off this treatment and then I'm going to die. So like, I don't tell them, just say you're fine, say everything's cool and just ride this baby out. Like you got it, dude. So could you feel like that drowning feeling like in your lungs? Like, yes, my brain was triggering the drowning response. Oh my God, dude. What the fuck? And really quick, two months. We can, we can, uh, we can edit this out if this isn't a thing. Um, At one point, I feel like you were telling me that you were like, yeah, were you thinking about doing a trip to like, I don't know if it was South America or Colorado. Is that what it was? I thought you were going, yeah, I I thought you were going somewhere. I think it was like somewhere or maybe you're getting a treatment from somewhere like outside the United States because you were just No, no, no. I was trying to find something called Rick Simpson oil at the time. Mm -hmm. And um, Rick Simpson oil, I like literally has cured cancer cases that were so severe that doctors like gave people two weeks to live and they ended up going back two weeks later and every aspect of their cancer had been reduced by 40% in two weeks. Mm -hmm. No other treatments. So, that dude is obviously uh, not very liked, right. uh, that man and his methods. So, they're next to impossible to find uh, for obvious reasons. And if you're not, like, a grower or a farmer, like, you can't make it yourself. So, um, it's just, it was something that was, like, a, I have to at least try to find it uh, once. Mm-hmm. And it was so next to impossible to try and find while I was in a recreationally like legal state that I was just I kind of gave up on it at that point. It's it's Rick um, Simpson oil. If I mm-hmm. Google this, is the FBI gonna like kick down my door? Right now? Like, <laughs> no, no, no. There's actually a documentary on I think it's HBO. It's called A Race for the Cure. Okay. Um, and it is all about Rick Simpson oil and shit. Uh, it's really cool. Um, I, but, I hate to interrupt. Uh, I'm I'm gonna take off. Yeah, but so I, I have to get to work pretty early in the morning. But I just want to say it was nice talking to you. And uh, I love you, dude. I miss you. you. I'm, I'm happy you're still you here too. with us. And uh, yeah, man, you know this is really cool. Yo, hey, before you go to hear it from me directly, this past September marked me officially in the cured status. I am no longer like even considered like in remission or anything. That's I am awesome. Officially cancer free. So uh, just this past September. This past September. Uh, yes. That's cool, man. Sick. So, hell yeah. I'm really happy to be back and like feeling myself again. And like, I can't wait till you guys come back through. It's going to be a good time. Cool, man. Hell yeah. Well, it was good talking to you. These guys will still be here. Good talking to you too, buddy. Later. Love you, bud. Later. Get home safe. I shall. I love that he has that red mic. (laughs) (laughs) Later, more time. All right. The, the clown nose. Yeah. Um, okay, so so you were searching for this this Rick Simpson oil. Um, oh yeah. Oh, and yeah, then yeah. so oh yeah, we we're talking about your uh, the the drowning feeling. Mm-hmm. That when mm. Yeah. Dude. So yeah, the first time that happened, 
I was just sitting in my bed. Like, everything was normal. It was all fine. And uh, I was just watching TV, and all of a sudden it was like, hey, you're drowning right now. Like, you literally are in such deep water that you, you can't even find the possibility of getting a breath ever again. Uh, and I immediately was in such a panic. Like, your brain get, like... This is going to sound fucked up, but, like, you know, in, like, movies and stuff, when you see people drowning and they, like, do, like, the twitch shit, like, your um, body, yeah. my body was still, like, doing that, like, so desperate to figure out what the fuck was going on with it. And I was in such a panic, I, like, straight, like, Hulk Hogan, like, ripped my fucking shirt off, like, and, like, was screaming for my parents. Uh, they didn't know what the fuck to do. You know, obviously, everybody's freaking out. And they call my oncologist, like, emergency line. And the, the emergency nurse literally was like, hey, man, like, if you can't breathe like this, you need to come in right now. And all of a sudden, the second he said that, my hyperventilating stopped. Everything stopped. And I went, no, I'm good. And I just hung up on him. And immediately started hyperventilating again. <laughs> Is it and, just, just uh, because you didn't want to be like kicked out of the uh, or or removed from the the treatment? Is that yeah, why? Yeah, no. Okay. If they like, I knew that if if I was having issues breathing and it was because of the trial, then they would take me off of it immediately. So like that Shit. wasn't really an option. What did you um, What did you say? You just had it like. Oh, was I was just attack. saying it was anxiety. Oh, okay. I was telling everybody, including myself, that it was just panic attacks and like everything was fine and I'm fine and. So so then, uh, do you tell them this shit later, like, after the treatment's done? Like, yeah, by the way, I was, <laughs> I was drowning. Homie, oh, it didn't get to that point. <laughs> it got to two months, and then at that point... Have you have you guys ever, like, almost, like, passed out from standing up too fast? You know, like, uh, that yes. feeling of, like, getting, like, a head rush? Yeah. And you start seeing dots and shit, right? Mm -hmm. So, you know how, like, if you lay back down or you sit down or something, that goes away. Like, you know, like, that's how you get rid of it. What happens when that's happening while you're laying down in bed? Fuck. Yeah. I was like, oh, that's not normal. And so obviously I was, <laughs> my dumb ass was like, well, it's fine, dude. If you're laying down and it's happening and like when you're standing up and it's happening and you have to lay down, just stand up. It'll be fine. That's how you got to fix it. I stood up and immediately collapsed, just all over everything. And uh, at that point, it was like, yeah, yeah I should probably is, go to the hospital. <laughs> this is not good. Things are not good right now. Like, Something's happening. So, There's yeah. nothing to do with the treatment. Yeah. There's nothing to do with the treatment. I am something straight else. up not having a good time right now. Like, <laughs> really, this is not so, related. Yeah, no, for sure. Like, it's just anxiety. But, like, this anxiety is making me, like, lose consciousness. It's weird. Right. It's, it's overwhelming anxiety, and I just keep passing oh. out, you know? <laughs> we were, my family was at the beach at the time, and, like, like, two hours away from my house. And my girlfriend at the time, who was from Pennsylvania, this was her first time ever coming to North Carolina, ever meeting my family. <laughs> and so she drives us from the beach house to my house. We stay the night there with my dogs. I wake up in the morning and take a shower. And I knew that Steph, like, had no idea where anything was, and it was going to be way too difficult for her to find it, like, quickly and efficiently. So I knew I had to drive. And I was like, all right, I got to take a shower. And, like, that was the only time I would ever find relief is, like, with the heat from everything because it would open up my pores and my lungs, and, like, I, would ab I was able to get oxygen in, like, more than just, like, natural, like, breathing and shit. Like, it was, right. like, 
coming in through everywhere at least slightly. So like it was some form of relief every time I took a hot <laughs> shower. So uh, it was just this moment of me like hyping myself up in the shower, just like face first in hot ass water, just like, all right, you can do this. You got it. It just, it just, all you gotta do is get there. Okay. And uh, I got there and I, we get in the lobby. And again, dude, I can't emphasize this enough. If anything would have been different, especially in this scenario, I would be dead. If the nurse that was standing at the front desk was not there when I walked in, I would have died in that lobby. Like, real talk. Um, I walked in, I looked at Steph, and I was like, go sit down, I'm just going to check us in. Like, everything's fine. Man, it's all good. I'm fine. (laughs) And so she goes to sit down, and I walk up, and this nurse, Ashley, who I was very, very, very close with, um, she was always working in the chemo department, and, like, she would always, like, push the chemo with me, and, like, we got mad close because of that. And so she looked at me and was like, what are you doing here? And also, she had never been up there ever. Like the two and a half years that I had been getting treatment at this place, never once did I see her at the front, ever. I never saw her there after that. She had, I had only seen her up front that one instance. And to this day, that's still true. And, uh... I looked at her, and I couldn't even talk at that point, dude. Like, I used the last of my talking strength to tell Steph that everything was fine and to go sit down. And I was just like, I ain't got nothing left. So I'm just mouthing to her, like, I can't breathe. And she looks at me and is like, come in the back right now. And she pulls me in the back, puts an oxygen tank on my face, like, she puts an oxygen mask on my face, and starts checking my O2 percentage. Um, I don't know if you guys know what, like, O2 percentages are. Yeah. But um, when you're at it, like normal is 100%. Like that is like always what you're at. If you're at 90, I would say even like 95 to 94%, you're having trouble breathing. Um, When you're at 90%, you're going to the hospital. 85, generally you're unconscious. My O2 levels were at 30%. Fuck. Dude, that's... Which is the O2 remnants of a corpse. Yeah. Um, within about 30 seconds, I had about 12 doctors in that room barraging me with just so many questions. Like, what the fuck? How are you here? How are you talking to us right now? And I was just like looking at all of them like, I drove here. I don't know. Like, what? I don't know. <laughs> it's, it's, it's insane because uh, like... <laughs> I think I told you, like, when I, I got sick, uh, like, last year or whatever, and because my my family or a bunch of nurses and RNs and stuff, they dropped off a pulse like, oximeter uh, to my house. And they're like, check your pulse, like, every – or check your oxygen levels every hour. If it ever dips below 96, fucking call us immediately yep. or just drive your ass out. So, like, that's 96. So if you're in the 30s, 30%. that's insane. Like, that's just – Basically dead. Yeah, <laughs> you're dead. You're yeah. Dude. No, yeah. I literally at that point I was like essentially dead. I hey, would have died within vibes. seconds if she didn't. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> if she didn't give me that oxygen mask though, I would have been like I would have just dropped because like my body just had nothing left. My lungs were so full of fluid that like there was just oh no, God, there was man. no room for me to take in breath. And I was breathing fine. That's the fucking worst part is that my my ability to breathe was not affected. 
so I was just taking in breath oxygen. after breath and it just wasn't doing anything. Uh, so basically at that point I have, like I said, I have all these fucking doctors like barraging me, interrogating me and my doctor takes one step into the room. Just, he's not even in the room. He's at the doorway and all of these doctors just part like the Red Sea, dude. And this motherfucker's just giving me this, like, you stupid motherfucker. Like, I know this has been going on longer than, like, a day. Like, what the fuck? And I just kind of give him that sitcom, like, that's our Jeffrey. <laughs> like, you know. And uh, he was like, you're admitted. Like, you're not going anywhere. What the fuck? And I was like, I don't know. I can't really breathe. You know what it is? Like, I just thought it was anxiety. <laughs> <laughs> Jeffrey, cut the shit. Uh, cut it out, Jeffrey. And uh, so here's the crazy shit, though. So I had my lungs and my heart drained for five days uh, straight. Just had tubes going through my stomach. Uh, and I woke up from that surgery from them, like, placing everything into my heart and my lungs. And the first thought that went through my brain was the scene in The Matrix when Neo wakes up in that pod <laughs> for the first time. And he looks down at all the tubes and shit on him. And I, the first words that muttered out of my mouth after that surgery were, <laughs> I get it. <laughs> um, I'm the chosen one. But yeah, they, they did a scan while they were draining my lungs and my heart. And it had literally reduced my cancer just enough to be viable for a stem cell transplant. Wow. And two weeks later, I was put into the stem cell transplant. And, like, that is the only reason I was able to get it in the first place. And that was the thing to get rid of it for good. Damn. Shit. So, so if you would have spoken up like a normal like a normal person, feeling like they're drowning. I'd be dead. You'd be dead. Mm-hmm. Dang. I'd Fuck. be dead. <sighs> it was, like, this insane moment of, like, let's see how tough you really are, motherfucker. Like, how much can you take? And I refused to give in and then literally was like refusing so much that it was making me lose consciousness. So did you, I think I did a pretty good job. <laughs> you're a fucking, you're a monster, dude. Like you're, you're tougher than most, most of the tough guys that we know, yeah. <laughs> that oh, I know. Damn. Yeah. Thanks, man. That's, that's, that's a, uh, yeah. That means a lot, honestly. Like it's, uh, it's not something that I really see like strength. It was more just, like, something I had to do, you know? And, like, I, it, it got to a point where I didn't even know why I was, like, still going. And Mike can attest for that. Like, there was moments where I was just like, I don't even know why I'm bothering with this. Like, yeah. it has come back and come back and come back. Like, what's the fucking difference? Remember you telling me, you're what, like, I'm not going to... What difference is this going to make? You're like, I'm not, I'm not going to try. Like, I'm not going to do it anymore. Yeah. I was like, no, but, I was I like but you've done it already. You've done it yeah. twice or whatever at the time. You're like, I was like, dude, you've already mm-hmm. done this twice. And you're like, yeah. I'm and not, it was I'm just like. Done. Third time's a charm, man. And, and like, dude, it wasn't even the third time, though, man. At that point, it was, fuck. At least like six or seven different types of regiments had been yeah. pushed through my body at that point. And each regiment has a minimum of three different chemo drugs that are being pushed into your body mixed together in a fucked up cocktail, you know? And, you know, a lot of people don't know this aspect of like what it did to me. Um, but I lost 60% of my upper jaw, um, from chemotherapy. 
Really? Um, yeah. Uh, my teeth were caving in on themselves um, to the point of, and like there was nothing wrong with them. It was literally like the bone integrity was so fragile at that point from the chemo because it, I had bone marrow based cancer. So a lot of that was aimed at my bones. Um, my teeth just couldn't handle it. My jaw couldn't handle it. And so they would just like start to break like piece by piece by piece by piece until eventually I, <laughs> I had nothing but like multiple nerve endings in my mouth that were completely healthy because there was nothing wrong with my mouth. So um, it was, sorry if this is too personal, just, did you just end up getting like veneers or did you? <laughs> so funny story there. Uh, these are implants. Because I was looking um, at your, I was like, man, he's got nice teeth. Yeah, you're amazing. Thanks. <laughs> I worked very hard for them. So uh, again, you, anyone yeah. just listen to the audio version, you're missing out on yeah. Jeffrey's beautiful smile. <laughs> this is a beautiful smile. Oh guys, you're making me blush. But like, uh, <laughs> so yeah, no, like I, I, I went to dentist after dentist after dentist trying to find someone to help me with this. And like, you know, obviously you need a special type of surgeon that is like specialized in, in placing implants, especially implants that are full appliance implants. Like that is way harder and a lot more invasive than just like replacing one yeah. tooth with one implant. Like that's an easy, that, that'll take a day, not even like an hour, you know, but to do your entire mouth upper and bottom like jaw and i mean my teeth on the bottom were really badly affected too but luckily like my jaw my my actual like bottom jaw stayed pretty intact um i don't really know why that is but um it, it was just the way that the chemo was like being pushed into my mouth but mm -hmm. your mouth is the warmest part of your body so that's where the chemo travels it's like the, the there were certain wow. drugs especially where as it was being pushed i actually had to eat like cold shit like ice cream, popsicles, ice cubes, like anything I could keep in my mouth to, to keep my mouth cold to try and prevent those drugs from just going straight there. Um, it was annoying as fuck. So, so I mean, so, okay, so I said since September, you're, you're, you're like, you're good. Uh, 100%. Do you, do you know if, uh, like, are your taste buds different? Is smell different? Is it like, have you noticed anything that's like, you know, you know what I'm trying to say? Like, um, yeah, no, I, I get what you're saying. I don't think that I've had, well, have, actually, have your yeah, taste changed? Like, is there things that you used to not eat and now you do or vice versa? It's funny. Cause I used to be so picky, dude. Like, so picky. I'm still super picky to be fair, but like way less, you know, I'm a lot more open-minded and willing to try things than, than before, like by a long shot. And it's, I think a lot of that actually ties into like, I don't know. I can't really feel burns super well anymore uh, after, honestly, the bone marrow biopsies were, were what caused that. I think that like my pain receptors experience like such a high level of pain that like certain things just don't click. Right. Like everything? <laughs> like nothing can hurt you? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like, dude. Hey, you're I on mean, fire. I, yeah, oh, that's fine. I can still <laughs> feel like my skin like my I, obviously like the damage is still there yeah. it's just that i don't feel pain the same way like i still like like especially if i get burned i can literally feel the blister forming in my finger but it does not trigger any pain res response it's just like huh. which is insane Probably to me like go of that yeah. like 
Yeah, I, um, you know, and like aspects like that, uh, I have to have food like thermonuclear or hot now when I eat because I hate cold food and I've always hated cold food. So like now that I can't really feel like heat super well, I just have to like cook the fuck out of everything that I eat <laughs> just to feel it like a little bit warm. And it's like, yeah, but it's actually kind of awesome because when food's like freshly out of the oven and shit and no one else can eat it. I'm just like, <laughs> pretty good. <laughs> it's dope cookies. That's, that's yeah, definitely not me. I'm like, I'm the one who like, I'll like wait. I wait until, yeah. yeah. I'll like talk or something while my food calms down. Oh dude. I even hate yeah, like, no. you microwave stuff and then you let it sit for a while because it's too hot. After yeah. you microwave it. Well, like when I get fast, like when I get fast food, uh, like, I'll de- well, for one, I hate eating in my car just in general. I even go on tour. Like, if people be like, oh, you, really? you, you on tour, you eat in the car all the time. If I don't have to, I won't. Or I'll just, like, save it oh, and yeah. wait until I get to the venue, whatever. But, yeah, any fast food I get now, like, I'll definitely just wait until I get to my house and just eat then. It's Dude, even to a point where know? if you're in the car with oh, him and you go to the drive-thru uh-huh. and he'll hand you the f- Like, normally people hand you the food. Mike will, like purposely put it away from you so that you don't get in his car and i don't know if he knows that he does that like we went we went to raising canes and he's like like I, like i'm sitting in the passenger seat and he goes to hand the food and he like puts it behind me <laughs> you go I dude burning you with the yeah. food yeah here i don't want this temptation in it front of hot, you it was a hot night that's so awesome um yeah no i um no that's that's really the only thing in terms of like taste and smell and stuff that, that's like changed Honestly, if anything, like, there's a lot more that I experience in terms of, like, senses. Um, And a lot, funny enough, a lot of it is, like, emotional, like, feelings and stuff that that come into play when I'm having, like, certain interpersonal connections. Where it's, like, there's a certain emotion that's being projected so much that it's, like, calling out to me in a sense that gives me like a different kind of sense. Like I can pick up on those, those kind of like feelings internally in someone else where it's like, I can't really explain it. And like, it's, I think that a lot of it has to do with me just like kind of opening up spiritually. Like, and I don't mean like, I'm not religious. I don't have any religion, but like I did die like consciously. And like, that was, whole thing and that that uh it took some time for them to resuscitate me and i was not under any sort of anesthetic when that happened it was a very simple procedure that went horrifically wrong oh yeah kind of forgot to go into that part um it was literally two weeks it was so i had my heart and lung drained and my lungs and heart drained and then uh Two weeks later, I was getting my stem cell. Well, they had to place a pick line into my brachial artery for me to get the stem cell. What's a pick line? A pick line is six feet of line, of IV line, that they feed through right here in your brachial artery. And they push it all the way through all the vein passages and shit in your chest to where it is a direct link to your aorta artery. So for um, anyone so who it, didn't see that, just the audio. 
Yeah. It's from his his bicep that goes th- from his bicep basically to your heart, your chest, or yeah, yeah, yeah. It goes yeah. all the way through all the vein passages in your heart to directly, uh, like one of the main arteries connected to your heart. And um, so, so like if you, if yeah, if your body is shutting down um, and is like in desperate need of certain medication, like that will definitely save your life. They put it in there, and it gets distributed everywhere, like mm-hmm. instantly. So it's definitely like a life-saving thing for sure. And it's super simple to be placed. You know, the the one rule that you have to abide by the whole time because you're awake when they put it in. It, it takes no time. It doesn't hurt. It's very basic. Mm-hmm. And like it, there's not even a doctor in the room when they're putting that in. It is like literally just nurses. Like oh. they they don't need a doctor to to set that. Um so these three nurses are doing it for me. The one rule that you have is to keep your shoulders back on the operating table at all times. Because if you bring your shoulders up, or if you try to sit up from the table, you could crimp a vein in your chest and have the line like puncture it because like it's not in the right situation. So uh, basically, I had a biopsy done um, like directly under my sternum right here. Uh, like early on in my treatments and it created a wall of scar tissue underneath my sternum. Uh, so when they were pushing the line, they had six inches left and it hit this wall of scar tissue and wouldn't go through. And scar tissue on the inside is very sensitive uh, shit. So like it hurt like pretty bad. They were just like jabbing me with a fucking stick basically like in the scar tissue. And I'm like, Hey, like, ow. That, hey, can you, uh, can you stop? the fuck is that and they're like they're like have you had a biopsy there or anything and i was like yeah i have and they're like oh it's scar tissue walling and i'm like probably what does that mean i don't understand like what what okay and so the guy i'll never forget this and i feel so bad i i almost kind of deserved what what happened next because i was totally a dick just such a dickhead to this guy but he was like you know we're gonna try and push one more time and if we can't get it, we're going to have to go in through your other arm, you know? And I looked at him dead in his face. I may as well, I may as well just, like, grabbed his fucking collar of a shirt and, like, brought him in because I was just like, well, you better fucking get it because I'm not sitting here for another 45 minutes. He got it. Nice. He got it <laughs> real good. Sorry, bud. And it went straight through <clears throat> that wall and actually went way too far and, like, hit my heart. Like, it, like, actually physically, like, hit my heart. And uh, I felt very, very vividly my heart fail and shut down. And I was trying to tell them, but did not have enough time to tell them. And I wasn't able to speak in the moment. And so all I could do, and your shoulders, remember, before I go any further here, my shoulders had to be pinned back on that table at all times. Mm -hmm. So I was laying down flat, right? But I had this sensation that my heels were on the edge of a cliff that went for miles. Uh, And I was falling backwards consistently. Like the weight of my body just kept going back and I couldn't stop it. And so I looked at this nurse directly in front of me and she gave me this weird look like this. And I reached for her like that and just fell. And it was like I literally fell through the table into this black and just kept falling and falling and falling and falling until eventually it just like didn't feel like I was falling anymore. It was like I was floating 
And in those moments were the very, very brief moments where I did not feel physical pain for the first time in years. Um, it was almost euphoric and it was very beautiful. I had a very vivid experience there that I think was meant for, I, I think that a lot of it is, is not meant for sharing. I think a lot of it is meant for you when, when it's your time. You know, I think that there's a reason that everyone dies alone. I think that there's a reason that like you can't have someone with you as you die because that, that is meant to be experienced by yourself. It's a very um, personal uh, experience and different for everybody. So I think that it was a very unique situation, and I think that I'm very blessed to remember it as well as I do because I had nothing impairing my brain. What Even if it was like, you know, not, not even just the like saying like drug addicts or like, like overdosing or anything like that, mm -hmm. but like I'm saying like, people that are under anesthesia going through surgeries and stuff that like die like while they're under and like get revived like they have slight like flicks of memories sometimes but like I was fully conscious I had no anesthetic put into me in any way there was nothing wrong with me outside of the fact that my heart had just been hit in such a weird way that it just shut down um and, like, you also have to remember that my heart had just been worked on two weeks before that, not even. So, like, it was very, very fragile at that point. Um, long story short, the, the nurse finally ended up, like, resuscitating me by doing, like, chest compressions. And um, when I came to, my eyes had never shut, but, like, the sensation of, like, coming back to after passing out and all the dots fading was like how I regained vision. And they were all like, <laughs> the two female nurses were on either side of the male nurse that was doing chest compressions on me and his hands were still on my chest and all of them were just like, <laughs> and uh, I kind of just looked at all of them and we all just kind of sat there for a minute and nobody said anything. It was just real quiet. And I was like, I went to go get up. They helped me up. They walked me to the door, opened the door for me, and I left. And no one said a word. <laughs> literally, like you just didn't know us die? No, yeah, like wait, literally, like none of us you, knew what to say. You did die, though, oh, technically, yeah, right? Oh, I died, for sure, yeah. So this, so was this nurse like, ah, uh, that's what you get for talking shit? Like, you know, no, like, no, no, no. Like I a... think that they were literally in such, like, traumatic shock that they just, like, no one knew what to say in that moment. We were just like, okay, so... I'll see you guys when I see you. So I'm like, it was just fuck? like this weird, it was like a weird one night stand. Like, so that was weird, right? Up and you're like, yeah. Like, yeah, I know I said I was going to get breakfast, but I, uh, shit got weird. I gotta go. Rick so killed the guy. Money's on the dresser. Uh, like, what the fuck? So, uh, for, for your, uh, really, quick, I don't know if you're thinking about this too. Um, have you, have you heard about like what people experience when they take DMT? Like, Yes. Is that similar yes, to I what have. you experienced? I have a friend that I will say this. going to come on the show and talk about it. Really? Yeah, cool. yeah. I will say this. Um, I I truly, from the bottom of my heart, I understand that DMT, that chemical, might scientifically be a catalyst for your journey whenever you go. 
but I can tell you confidently that doing DMT, like smoking DMT to get you to that place is not it's taking not, you to the same place. It's not the same. It isn't because what you're doing is you're, you're flooding your brain with that one chemical when that one chemical is not the only thing that's going on as you're dying. Mm. Right. Yeah. Like you literally are no longer in, like I watched my soul literally leave my body. Like that was not, there was no connection with my body anymore. There was no consciousness tied to it. There was no nothing. When you smoke DMT, whether you feel like you are or not, your consciousness is still in your brain, in your body. You have not left. So you will never be able to get to the place that they want to get to so desperately. I'm sure that it feels very similar, but that's because, like, you know how many fucking psychedelics like do the craziest shit to you, dude? Like, yeah. just mind-blowing shit. Please take you places like, what? Yeah, of course, like, there are drugs that make you feel like that. But, like, mm -hmm. just because the DMT might be a chemical in your brain that gets released at the time of death, that doesn't mean it's, it's the, not the only, only chemical, one. for one. Mm -hmm. And two, that's not to say that, like, oh, like, you just, like, have the best trip of your life and then you're dead. Like, that's not how it happens, bro. Mm -hmm. That is not the thing. But, like, people want to say that that's what it is when people are like, oh, like, I'm burning or, like, oh, Jesus is here, like... That's how they want to rationalize that. And like, that's fine. But I can tell you right now that whatever it is that they're experiencing after they're saying that stuff and their heart has stopped, it is something entirely different. And like, it is not, I think it's, it's almost humorous to me now to look at any sort of man-made religion and see any sort of credibility in it. Because how in the fuck would we know? How would anyone know? Like, right. literally. Oh, because, I mean, like, if, even if you're saying something like, like, and, and like, dude, I grew up Southern Baptist. Like, I went to a Christian school, like, my entire life. I know so much about that religion. I just, like, th there's no, even if, if, if what they were saying was true in terms of, like, you know, God spoke through me. You know, how do you know that? How do you know that? And, like, even if there was an entity talking to you, and saying these things, how do you know that that is actually a creator? You don't. No one does. They're, how do you know, that for all we know, they're interdimensional, like, they're capable of interdimensional travel, and they're just fucking beings in this realm that are so powerful compared to us that we register them as gods. There's literally so many possibilities and variables for so many different things. How the fuck would we know? We're going to act like we know? Okay, that's fine, but that doesn't mean that that's what it is. You know, and it's like, I have respect for religion. I think that there are great aspects to morality and, and religion. And like, there's nothing wrong with it directly. But ultimately, I think it's just a, a method of, well, for one, it's just now been corrupted into control. That's like, ultimately, yeah. like really well, what, what it man's, is. Man general. is involved in religion, so. <laughs> right, exactly. That's what I mean, is like. That's just all it, it really is. But in terms of like the people that, that are accepting it, it's the people that want to feel secure and knowing that death is not necessarily the end. Um, and that's why they're so willing to, to take those truths, you know. But that's, that's just my personal belief from the things that I experience like directly. And, 
you know, it's, I, I'm not even going to say that, like, I know what's going to happen next, like, because I don't, I can have a completely different fucking experience next time I go, but, like, from what I know, from what I experienced, it was fucking beautiful, and, like, it was one of the most, like, comforting moments of my life, because whatever it is that I met there, like, made sure to, and I mean, dude, like, yeah, you have to understand, like, communication is different. Like, everything is different. You don't have eyes or a mouth or ears anymore. Like, you can't see. You can't speak. Like, everything is done through feeling. Everything is done through touch. And, like, it's all, like, that's how communication is. And whatever it is that, like, was with me, the first thing that it wanted me to understand was that, like, everything was going to be okay. That was the one driving feeling of comfort that would not leave no matter what and I felt that the whole time uh when I came back it was just like this what the fuck was that because it wasn't a dream that's for sure it was just as real and vivid as three seconds ago when I was laying on an operating table and it's just as real as three seconds after to me I don't even know how long I was actually dead but like however long I was out and you know that that time was real and like i i remember all of that very very vividly um and like you know it's i think that i take solace in that to know that like i'm not going to waste my time trying to i'm not going to waste the time that i i fucking you know fought for and and spent so much time for trying to rationalize and and make sense of something that i experienced like, in another realm of existence. Like, right. like, things that literally could never be translated here if I tried. I'm not going to waste my time trying to figure that out. Like, because that's not why I fought to live. If I didn't, if I wanted to do that, I wouldn't have fought. Like, I would have just gone, you know? Right. It's like the concept of God. But, I think it's funny when people try to, like, like, if, if like, for, if God is, if God is truly what a God is and, it's like, out of something that's, out of space and time yeah like how could we possibly begin to understand understand it yep. yeah so it's just funny when people try to like rational whatever religion whatever religion people think whatever it's always yeah. funny when people are like they have like they give you like an answer for what they think it is and it's like this is an could, absolute <laughs> truth yeah this is definitely what happens when i die and i know that to be fact okay that's mm-hmm. cool like how though like because whatever method you know to be so confident in what happens after you die i want to know it like i need to know because that shit's cool. And it's like, you have a lot of faith in this thing that you really have no idea about. Like, why? You're just, it's basically, I don't know, man. That's what I mean. It's like, they're so desperate to know what it is that they'll just, like, believe the first most logical thing that makes sense in their brain. That's why I like. that must be it. uh, I think, for me, me, speaking personally, that's why I like, uh, like, what the Christian Bible says, which is, like, the dead know nothing. I'm like that yeah. makes sense to me. That's fine for me, because anything, I mean, else, anything that, else, what could it po- what could you, how could you possibly explain what else it could be? If it's like if yeah. dead, no nothing. That and I'm like, <laughs> I, I think that I think that the the beautiful aspect of it is that like there's no way of of explaining what it is because the only way to get there is through a way that you can't return. Right. And that in itself should tell you so much 
Like, look at that aspect. I mean, yeah, that might be a scary thing at first, but dude, that's a beautiful, beautiful fucking thing. To be able to, like, go into something, like, regardless of how, how you left this realm, one way or another, that, the moments following after, it is not, it's, it's not like, it's so out of character of anything that any religion has ever tried to, like, base a, like, a higher power on. And it's just the most incredible, almost relieving thing. Because, again, like, I was, like, raised in Southern Baptist shit and, like, you know, raised on, like, God is a fearful God and, and a vengeful God. And, like, you know, he floods the earth and, and everything like that. Fire and brimstone shit. And uh, the, I guess, entity that I interacted with was had such a nurturing vibe and aura about it that I refer to it as a she most of the time. Mm. Um, it felt almost maternal. Um, and like that, that was like a very, very forefront aspect of it in terms of uh, that comfort, you know. But yeah, that's very off topic. But yeah, that's the story of when I died. <laughs> <clears throat> That's cool. so so to I guess to to bring it back around to yeah you know kind of full circle it um so now as of September you are clear I mean you're in the clear you've beat 100%. This shit. like you're so what's what's the you know what's the the mentality now what's next like what's you know so you know it's kind of crazy because like after after Inferma it was um it was kind of up in the air. I didn't, I was very lost for a long time. I felt very betrayed by the people that, you know, claimed to want to be the support and, and help like be the foundation of, of my new life that I was building. And at the drop of the hat, they stabbed me in the back and like, wouldn't stand with me at all. Um, over very basic values. And like, they, they just didn't care. Um, so I felt very, like, almost discouraged to even talk about my story in, in any other method or any other way. But um, I've been doing a lot of work on myself over the past few years. And, like, you know, this this pandemic has really been a blessing in disguise in terms of, like, personal growth for me. Because I refused to be alone for years after everything. I would not let my brain be alone because I knew I would go into like such a dark place mm. that I couldn't get out of that just like would just be way too intense for me to be alone with, let alone anyone else. And so I just like, we're just going to repress that. And I'm going to be hanging out with everybody all the time. Like, yeah, let's just do whatever, dude. I don't fucking care. I'll just sit in the corner. You can mm-hmm. do like cocaine, whatever. I don't, I don't care. Just like, let me, hang I just want to be around. I just, <laughs> just want to be around people. Yeah. Yeah. Just don't leave me alone, okay? <laughs> so, uh, no, but like, you know, when the pandemic hit, I was forced to be alone. I had to be alone. There was no other option. And, like, when you're put in a situation like that, I, I do always thrive in a, in a thrown-to-the-wolves situation. And uh, 
I, I had to figure it out or I wasn't going to make it, you know, like mentally, like it was just going to ultimately kill me. And like, I was like, I felt sick, you know, I was so depressed and like, just so just over exhausted from simply trying to escape the, the trauma and, and the, the self, you know, the, honestly, it was, it was just trying to, to avoid having to go through it again, because I, I knew ultimately the only way to get through this trauma was to really like go through all of the mess and fold up all the clothes neatly and tat and put it in that tight little nice, nice drawer and have everything fit in that little space and open up all this space for your brain that like just has not had any room, you know, cause there's just all this fucking clutter. And that was a scary thought. I, you know, I'd worked so hard to get just stable enough, you know, just at least to, to be able to maintain. And I was worried that that was going to shatter the second I tried to go into that. Right. Um, and, you know, I've been very fortunate to have the people that I've had um, in terms of just like people I go to for, you know, advice and like my therapist, she's, she's a wonderful person, very spiritual. And that's like very helpful too. And um, it, it's just, I'm, I'm very blessed to, to have the support system that I do, um, you know, but now in terms of like mentality and what's to come, you know, uh, Mike here has been really like encouraging me and, and telling me that I should write a book about everything. And, uh, I think that that would be a pretty, pretty cool thing at this point. I'm, I'm, I'm a little bit past, I'm a little bit past open to the idea. I'm kind of like, all right, how can I make this work at this uh, point? It's like, I, I think I can do this. Um, and now you can but, speak clearly. So yeah, yeah, yeah right. Like what? That's fucking dope. <laughs> yes. <I'm> like, <laughs> but no, in terms of, you know, outside of like the cancer stuff, you know, it's, uh, my future is, is very bright in terms of what I want to do and, and the things I want to, I want to be. And, you know, I love acting. I, I have taken that very, very seriously over the past couple of years. Um, and I got this wonderful teacher who literally saw so much potential in me that she created a scholarship just for her school so that I could attend. Um, yeah, and fucking rad. Yeah. Especially seeing <laughs> as like, she's expensive as fuck. Yeah. And, um, <laughs> her, her technique, like the training technique that she, you know, pro- like she would teach most Meisner coaches, like their programs are nine weeks max. Uh, this one was a year. Wow. And like it very extensive, um, at least twice a week. Um, for me, it was even more because within a month I was her teacher's assistant and I was like helping her with international clients. And like, it was so fun, dude. I love being her teacher's assistant. Like she was just such an incredible teacher and like, so smart with acting, dude, like everything that she would say, she would fucking ream into you like just the most brutal slays that you can do in front of everyone in the class and you're just like fuck I just don't even like please don't say some shit like that to me but the next week dude that person would come in a completely different actor and it would work every single time dude like clockwork like it never failed she would go off on a motherfucker and they would be like 
And then next week, just like the complete opposite performance. And it was just like mind blowing, dude. Like, it's just like, how do you do that? Sometimes that's what it takes. Yeah, exactly. And she always knew that she always knew that level that needed to be broken for you to see what she was trying to get you to see. And it was a beautiful aspect of her. Um, And she unfortunately was diagnosed with stage four pancreatic cancer back in January. Mm. And um, she just passed away this past August. Um, so, uh, I, I, I take my acting career, uh, as seriously as I do. And I see the potential in myself that I do because of the potential that she saw in me. And, um, the last thing that she ever said to me was actually, we were talking about, um, we were talking about the demons music video. She asked me to stay after class one day and, uh, I was like, Okay. And she was like, it's fine. It's not a bad thing. I was like, oh, yeah, for sure. Absolutely. <laughs> okay, <What's> sick. <laughs> and uh, she was like, I just want to let you know that I like, I hope it's okay, but I sent your music video to a couple friends of mine. And I was like, which, what music? Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Wait, demons? And she was like, yeah. I was like, you're 65. Like, you like that song? Like, do you like this music? And she was like, like, I love this. She was like, I love the amount of, like, passion and emotion that you have in in your voice Mm -hmm. and, like, the the emotion that you can portray in your face, like, in so many of these scenes. And I was, like, just so moved that she could notice so much from something that like literally that was the the thing that made me like I had never done any acting before that music video that music video for me was like a test to see if I really wanted to be an actor or if I just liked the idea of being an actor because right. uh, there were sections of that music video where I had to be behind makeup for like I was scheduled to be behind makeup sitting in a chair for four hours straight for some of those like we we did a full bald cap in one of the sequences where like he literally made me look like I was going through ice again and uh I've never met a more talented makeup guy like he is so fucking talented he looked at that picture for three seconds and never looked at it again and then did that Uh, and I was like did that spark any weird like like PTSD or like (sighs) It, it wasn't like it was PTSD necessarily, but what I will say is I went to the bathroom to look at how I looked and I didn't know how to respond because it looked horrible. 
Yeah. But that's what it was supposed to look like, right. which is a good thing. But it's fucking horrible, and I look like something that I wished I never would look like again. Right. So the only thing that I could really come out of my mouth uh, was, you're very talented, and I left. <laughs> <laughs> you nailed it. Yeah, and like... I, I we went to the set from that point because like the rest of the band were doing like uh, the shots like without me and and like they were doing the full performance shots, and uh, I got on set as they were like doing certain shots as a band without me in it, and all of them broke character like they all just like stopped the second I walked in because I was in a gown, and the bald cap and none of them had ever seen me like none of them were around when I was going through treatment mm-hmm. so like they didn't understand the the severity of what it looked like and even that wasn't like totally accurate but it was close enough to get them to see it and one of them like one of my friends who actually i'm still very close with and like he was out of the band long before anything fucked up happened but he went like pale white like white white he was just frozen and uh i think that was like the one member there that it like truly hit and I think that, unfortunately, looking back on it at this point, like, everybody else was just seeing dollar signs, you know. And um, a way to cut the line, essentially, and getting attention. And, like, you know, it kind of worked, I guess. But they, I don't know. They also, like, when the new members, like, came into the band, they said shit like, you know, this is really dark. It's, like, too dark. Okay, then leave. Yeah. Like, what? And I, you know, got pushed out of it somehow. But it was like... It's one of those things where it's like, dude, I did so much for that band that I don't even... I really don't care. Like, I don't... You do what you need to do, man. You got... You're able to express a very difficult time, right? And, and, I mean, you have those songs. I know right now it's probably a sore, sore subject, but... You have them. You know. And and like I think that one day I'll probably even try to like rewrite another like metal record. Like and I mean, I just can't write that now. You know, like I'm not technically proficient enough on the guitar to be able to write that kind of metal. Hmm. But like I'd be I'd be more than open to trying to reformat it and in, into new songs to where like it would be even fucking sharper and like even better than it ever was, you know, like I would take that advantage for sure. And like, you know, I guess like a bat signal, you know, if anybody's fucking listening that wants to collaborate on shit, whether it be music, acting, writing, film, whatever, you know, hit me up, put my email on the link for this, I guess. So, so, so before I, I mean, I have a couple things, but before we get into that, um, do you have anything you want to plug? Do you have any like music you want to talk about or plug? You want you want to plug the gram? You want to put your email out? Like, you know? Yeah, yeah. No, it's just uh, I mean, it's just Jeffrey Easton seventy at Gmail. That's that's all it is. And uh, my my solo project's name is uh, Nevtelen N E V T E L E N. Um, it is, I mean, I don't have any recordings like released yet. Okay. I'm still like working on everything in <clears> terms of, you know, trying to find scheduling and money and all that jazz. But, um, you know, it's, I have like 11 songs 
ready to be tracked in terms of my solo stuff that I'm formatting currently into full band stuff. Um, and it's, I mean, they all were just acoustic songs that I wrote, like with just me and my acoustic, because that's all I knew how to do. Right. I always had the vision, like, of a bigger picture, you know. And so that's fun, but it's like outside of that, I, like, I don't see that as a metal project. Like, I would love to do something heavy. And, like, my vocal range is pretty extensive. Um, like, and I don't really care, like, what kind of metal it is. Honestly, the the angrier, probably the better at this point. Because, like, I would definitely be talking about the first time around trying to release this stuff. Sure. And um, that would be some really good new material, for sure. So one of, one of the things that, like, you kind of said in the very beginning that I really want to circle back on before we go mm-hmm. is there's this perspective that you have where, like, you were saying that, like, um, it's really on you, right, like, to kind of help everybody else deal with their emotions because you're the one going yeah. through it. Yeah. And yeah. I've never thought of it in that way. Yeah. Like, I've always, like, so for, uh, you know, like, pull back the curtain, my uncle um, – <clears throat> a few years back past of cancer, mm. um, you know, and then, and we have somebody currently, um, like in the extended family who is dealing, uh, has a, is battling cancer right now in their kidneys. I think, I think oh, it's, I'm kidneys. so sorry. So, um, it's one. And then I also have a very, very, very close friend of mine whose father, um, passed away uh, of cancer as well. So like, seeing this but throughout that whole process i never thought of it from that perspective like the person that's dealing with it you know you have to understand too is like there is a part of them ultimately one way or another whether regardless of their outcome like their chances of survival regardless of what that may be it could be 99 percent, it could be one percent but either way that there is a side of them that is already putting together that they could very easily die. Correct. That could, that is a reality. That is something that they have to subconsciously or consciously one way or the other, they are preparing for that. Right. And one of those ways of preparing for that is to make sure that their loved ones are okay in the end and that they have at least some sort of peaceful and satisfying memory of you to carry on with them when you're gone. Right. So, the aspect of being the support system for your support system is really, it's almost one of those things that are, that's so obvious that like no one thinks about it. Right. It's like, it's like the expression, like your mind, body and soul are all living in harmony together. Like obviously they are, but it's just so obvious that you don't even make that connection. It's like breathing. Mm -hmm. You just don't, you don't consider it. Exactly. And when you start thinking about your breathing, that's when it starts getting fucked up. Yeah. <laughs> Trust me. I know. I, uh, I, I got it. So I got, I mean, so you've known Mike for forever. I've heard the stories of you, but we've never officially talked like until today. But well, like, it's wonderful you know, to actually meet you. For so sure. like we're, and, and we'll include the video of you. Um, so to kind of put into perspective, the video that we referenced earlier when you were singing hope theory um, on mm-hmm. stage, like you had just, you were, you had just had treatment, right? Like, yeah. Um, probably three days before that, or yeah, no, it was four days exactly because I had just been released from the hospital and sent home. And like a day after that was when the show was, which is, and I was worried that I wasn't going to be out in time for the fucking show. 
I was like, I'm not missing this. Which is no. yeah, and we'll we'll put that clip on the end of this so that you, you guys can see. Like yeah, even just seeing like so seeing the clip, you would just think like, okay, you know, this kid's coming up and like, yeah, he's jumping on stage and like, but then to put it into perspective, like what he said, like what you don't see are the people in the crowd that are like fucking bawling their eyes out because they know what you've been through. Uh, you like, like weak, but still like coming in and, and putting on this show and this performance. Like that's to me, like, dude, no joke. Like we, like I, I said it earlier, but like, I know a lot of tough dudes. I know a lot of fucking fighters and a lot of tough guy, hardcore dudes, whatever. Like, and everything you've told us today, like seriously put you up in that category. where like, fuck these guys like you're one of the toughest dudes like i've ever, ever spoken to like that's why wow. that, yeah, you like, have to go through it once if you think about yeah. it yeah like that's even just, that is just like dude that's hard it's even hard even time. like the the mentality of like dude like I, oh yeah i was drowning but i knew that i had to go through this treatment i, I didn't want to lose my, i didn't want to lose my, like i'd have been like i'm fucking drowning somebody yeah. say like you know what i mean <laughs> like i'm i'm kind of a bitch <laughs> like it just to me like that's that's like I, I really and I'm not just saying this like I I'm really impressed with you like I I really am oh. like, just that's that's for you to be able to go through all this and and still he sent me I, I was sitting at a bar by myself waiting to watch Spider-Man and he sent me the voice message that you sent him right like it was like a three minute long message he had just asked you to be on the show. And I was like, "Can we play this? Can we play this on the show?" He's like, "Oh, ask him. He's probably you know." He'll yeah, me down. of course, dude. And like yeah. to me, in my head, I'm like, "This, from everything I've heard, this kid has gone through every." And I say, "Kid, we're, you're, I'm, I feel like I'm old, but you know, but like just <laughs> this, this dude has gone through all this shit, and he's still so positive. Like everything about that message, like me and Mike are like." I'm like, I'm fucking sitting at a bar. I'm going to start crying. I'm, yeah. I'm eating a fucking salad at the bar by myself right now. You're giving me this emotional. I have like one air, like AirPod in. And I'm like, uh, where's like, are you okay? Like, yeah, don't, don't worry about it. I'm uh, fucking fine, man. Fine. Cilantro with this fucking salad, yeah. right? Where's the, where's the chicken? I ordered chicken. You know, like I, I was just, I was, I, I was literally like, dude, this is, it's, an, it's crazy. And then hearing you recount all of it, like this is, uh-huh. it's, Dude, you you're hands down like probably one of the like strongest people that I've ever talked to, and that's wow, that's rad to me, uh-huh. dude. And, and you know, I, I don't know how, how I don't know how long we're going. On, Three but, hours, but, and and there's still <laughs> there's still a lot that you could have even touched on more. Yeah, yeah. things that absolutely you know like. For the record, if you guys want to like do this another day and like continue it, I'm more than happy to do that. There's, For me, this is just chilling with my homies, so I'm like yeah. really happy to hang out with you guys. Like, I, I I definitely I think that there's like like people hearing your story and people getting to see from the other side of things, you know, like yeah. and and it not just be like like everything you've so told heavy. Us, well, <laughs> it's, it's heavy as fuck, but like everything you've told us has been so like light. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Like yeah. o- almost like in a way of like. Like you're still joking about this shit. You're like, I, I fucking died, <laughs> and we're still, you know what I mean? Like, and that's, that's to me, like, I, I love that, dude. I like, I yeah, love your, I, mean, dude, I love your whole, like, being. Which is, how do which you, is why like, I tell them you trying to book. Yeah, like I, I'd say, it, dude. Like, but that's the thing is that that's the thing that scares me is like my my demeanor and my personality are the things that really make when i talk about these things so like when i type this shit out bro it's yeah yeah 
Yeah. There's well, no there's no levity behind that that tone of voice in the words. It's just like Well, what what I've also what I've also what I've appreciated so much about anytime we've talked and stuff is like like you've had the moments where you weren't positive, right? And you were like, I can't yeah. do this, you know? And what I think would be, again, I'll go, I'm going to keep going back to like, you need to write a book. You need to like put this in music. You got to do, put it in, I don't know, whatever you got to do to get it out. It's because I think what, you know, the obvious thing that we're, you know, what Mike's talking about is like, you're, you're a strong dude. You've gone through it. You're here. You're standing after all this. But I think it's, your story's so real in the sense that like, there's, moments of despair where it's like even as i'm like trying to encourage you even i'm just like fuck dude like fuck i don't know no like, dude it's i'm like, like i don't know how you can do this i don't know how you can go through this again man like that last time literally almost killed you like i don't know how you can do this yeah. again. but i you did you did it i i feel yeah. like you can do it again you know and and so i think for 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 in our discussions you've always, you've always been so open and honest and i feel like i like we talked about this the other day i was like i feel like there's mo- there's been times where like um, it's like the conversation is like, I should be the one encouraging you. And then it would always turn into you're encouraging me, <laughs> even though you literally just told me you're going to have, you're going to have to go through this again, another battle for yeah. cancer. And then you're like encouraging me. And I'm like, wait, well, hold on. Yeah, hold on. <laughs> hold on. <laughs> like, hold on. <laughs> it's like, like, Hey, Hey Mike, I, see, I died like, the other day, but you're going to yeah. be able to write this song. You know? right. I, Bro. See, but that's the thing though, man. Is like, I wouldn't, I wouldn't be here. That's my, and I'm so glad that it like, it got segued in like that. But like, dude, literally, I would not be here today if it were not for Mike Perez, like straight up. If you were not a part of my life consistently through all of that, man, I would not be here. Like you pulled me out, literally pulled me out of the darkest moments of my life and showed me, even if it was a crack in the cement and it was just one hairline crack. It was enough light to pass through to show me that none was getting through before. And that's all I needed. I just needed that little tiny bit of hope, dude. And you provided that so many times tenfold in moments where nothing anyone else could have said to me would have worked. And I, I cannot express to you how unique and how healing you are to the world and to people that have been in that dark place and like dude that is why it's so vital for me and even in those moments of the dark moments where it's like like when the when the band crash happened dude it was so vitally important for me that you guys were going to continue on because like whether or not I made it, the only reason I made it to this point was because of the things that I heard in No Bragging Rights' music. And that aspect of that is so vital to me. Like, that shit is, is so healing and so motivating in ways to people that have none anywhere else. That music can find them and literally, like, pull them out of the depths to see that there is a way to keep going. And, like, even if that's all they have, it's something. And, like, that is something that that a lot of people need, man. And a lot of people never get to experience. And I, I am so eternally grateful to you and, and appreciative of you for, for being that light for me, always. Uh, and, like, dude, like, the Census Fail Show, 
you know, after I got on stage and everything. And like the camera went off and you were like, yo, hold up a second, hold up a second, hold up a second. I need to talk to you guys about something. And in front of 700 goddamn people, this dude made me cry like the biggest bitch in the fucking world. I'm just like, oh, yeah. Like, dude, he literally got all of them so fucking hyped up. And they, he was talking about how I, I was diagnosed with uh, lymphoma and I had beaten it. And I just, like, I just got diagnosed again, but it's all right, because guess what? He's going to fucking beat it again. And everyone in that fucking building, dude, just, like, poured their love into me in that moment. And it was just like, ugh, I needed that so bad, dude. It, um, that shit is life-changing. And, like, dude, if it weren't for you, I wouldn't be here. It's, it's that simple. <laughs> and, like, that it's that that kind of thing that that makes it so much better for me when you guys released the first video like when i saw that i mean dude even before that you were sending me like bro when you sent me that first thing in iMessage i cannot express to you my reaction to it cuz i knew i couldn't show it to anyone but i was like oh my god what do i do i can't I can't talk about it. I don't want to. How do I? I'm so excited, though. I don't know. Oh, Jesus. It's so good. Oh, God, dude. And, like, the shit that you came out with was, like, just so fucking good. It was even better than the shit you were sending me. Like, And, like, that was the early stuff that you guys had just, like, we just started playing with ideas. And you were like, I don't know, man. Like, I don't know if I, like, I'm, I'm really nervous about showing, like, stuff like and like like new stuff and i don't know how it's gonna sound we've been gone for a really long time and i'm like yo i don't (laughs) understand how you think any of that is gonna matter like in any way shape or form like it you're wrong bro (laughs) you get it (laughs) you're wrong well first off i appreciate everything you said a lot and uh but i will say i would have never known any of this had you not had the freaking guts to come up and even talk to me in the first place or anyone in my band at all right and what i mentioned to you before like you know yeah, I'm, I'm i try to make myself available to people and i and i, I share if people especially if somebody's willing to share with me i'll uh i can i'll always listen first and then if i have anything then i'll share it you know but not everybody wants to hear what i have to say yeah. which is i respect yeah. and it's totally fine and so like again i for anyone who's listening to this you may you you I would have I would have known about your situation, and if somebody at the show would have told me about it, yeah, that's one thing. But it's like I probably wouldn't probably would have known that either. You know, what I mean? so yeah. So you you made you made that like it's hard to talk to anyone about anything. It's hard to even tell people when you appreciate anything about you know what they do, and then for you to do that, and then also tell me about your story and what you're going through. Like it's very easy to just suffer alone and just be like, I don't want to bum anyone out or i don't want to put my put this into the put put this out so you know i'm happy that you had like the guts to come and talk to the guys in my band and then come and you know talk to me and that we were able to you know and that you've let me in on this you know like i told you before man like so you're the first guest we've had you know i don't count martin Martin. <laughs> Martin's basically part Martin's of just always here. Yeah, he's Martin's just, he's, like he's a dude on the couch. Martin's like Questlove and fucking the Tonight Show. <laughs> he's just fucking yeah. sitting in the back. He'll yep. say one, a couple things here and there. 
really fucking funny, and then it's just like, all right, I'm out. Later. That's why we give him the microphone with the red with the red cover. <laughs> but like you know, I, I like I I'm excited that you you are first guest, you know, because I feel like you embody a lot of what you know, you know, the idea of just that things things can change, and that you know, even in the worst situations, like if there's any kind of silver lining, if there's anything to be learned, if there's anything to, to build from, like, if, as long as there's, as long as you're still, like, breathing, you look at air in your lungs, even if they're filled with water, like, even if they're not, <laughs> right, you know, like, you have, you, you can, you can get out of it, and so, you know, yeah, like I, like I said before, like, I'm, I'm very, it's, it's very humbling that you're, that you're willing to, like, share your story on here, and, like, I appreciate that a lot, man, Dude, especially you being our first I'm guest. I'm honored, I'm honored, and, 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 so grateful that that i even had that i was even considered to to be on the show at all and let alone like be the first guest and you know i i'll say this uh in terms of anyone that that i think that it's important to say this especially to you know uh, touching on the subject of like you know you reaching out to people and like them not wanting um to receive it and like, or, or like being resentful of like your, your, uh, unrelenting, uh, positivity and healing, regardless of if they want it subconsciously or not. And honestly, I think what it is in terms of them, like if they're ever resentful or like, or defensive at at it, it, what it is, is their subconscious, like, yes, 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 yes. And their conscience is like, no, motherfucker, I'm not trying to deal with this right now. Like, get out of here. And they, you know, it's, I love the, the concept of like, you know, the time is, is moving in, in the flow of a river, you know, in the current of a river and, you know, not resisting, not fighting, like fighting against the current will always like add conflict and if you're standing in the same place one way or another, ultimately that is still resisting the current. And so when you, when you're stuck in your ways and you're anchored in that river for so long and, and you're, you're not ready to, to like, you know, lift the anchor up and someone comes in with a fucking life jacket and a boat, like, Hey, all you got to do is grab my hand. Let's go. They're like, nah, just gonna, just gonna hang out here for a while, you know. I like being a buoy. I don't know, and like that—that's not something that has anything to do with you, like you know. And like that's always something that like you need to make sure you you're telling yourself because, bro, there is nothing wrong with the way that you talk to people, the way that you encourage people, or the way that you support people. It is one of the most beautiful things I've ever had the pleasure of, like, seeing. So don't change that for a second. And, like, you know, also, fuck those people. So, like, whatever. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I I, I understand that, like, it's, you know, especially, you know, I don't know what someone's going through in those moments where they're just maybe not, you know, wanting to hear that. Because I've definitely had friends that are like, not today, Mike. Like, Mike, uh, not today, not today. Like, (laughs) I'm like... All right, Jesus! You know that, you know. All right, and they're well, like, you talk about maybe me, tomorrow I'll <laughs> slap the shit out of you. How about yeah. that? Huh? Other, all they'll be like, like I appreciate that, but I don't want, I don't want that right now. I kind of want to be See? upset. I'm like, that's even fair. that, dude. 
And that like, right there. Can I be upset with you? You know? Yeah. Dude. That's oh weird. my God. I would just start crying, bro. That makes me <laughs> want to cry. The fact that your brain goes to that. Can I just be upset with you? Like, okay. Yeah. Well, dude, sometimes. Can I you hug me? Like, shit. Yeah. Sometimes, like, sometimes stuff just sucks, man. And it's like. Yeah. And like, there's nothing you can do about it. But that's the thing, dude, is like you still have the ability to like find that light in that moment. And that's what I mean. It's like, that's what makes you so special. And your song's so special, man. You know how many fucking hardcore bands have tried to be positive and it just <laughs> does not end up working well. And it just sounds cheesy as fuck. And it's weird. I was just talking about this, dude. There is something about no bragging rights that it's not just a matter of it being a positive hardcore band and it working for them. Like it's, it's more than that. It's deeper than that. There is, it's genuine. There is something about the way that you that you write that is not. You don't write in the perspective of yourself. You're always writing from like external, like like Hope Theory, for example, dude. You know, you're talking about your best friend or like like this friend who keeps saying like, you know, you keep saying things are going to get better, so why aren't they getting better? And like your response is to this specific person, and it adds this level of. It, it not only makes your message less vain and less almost like pre- not pretentious, but like self-centered, you know, it's, mm-hmm. it's literally focused outward, even when you're talking about things that you experience firsthand and it adds this level of, of authenticity and care and just like trust in the things that you say, dude, like it's, it's very powerful. So, yeah. That's who I aspire to to write like. Yeah, but then you, man. I don't. Even, I don't even know what to say to you. It's funny. Mike's Mike's really not good at taking compliments. So I know. I like to. Yeah, like, I I, these are the moments where I should chime in, but I'm just gonna let him sit here. Nah, I just let him squirm. simmer in it. Yeah, let's yeah, let, let him squirm a little bit. I love it. Well, you've already shown that you can write. Yeah. So. I'm I'm looking forward to whatever you do and whatever meeting you put it in. If you put it into, I mean, you know, you're book, gonna get music, all of the proofs. Get, like, if you're encouraging me, then you have to help me with it. Like, I can't. Like, here's, here's the game plan. Suck, dude. Write the I'm book. I'm gonna be sending you. Yeah. <laughs> and then after you write the book, you go in and record the audio version so that you get your personality into telling the story. Yes. Ooh, there you go. My guy, that's yeah. such a good idea. You're trying to find, you're trying to find gigs, man. You have the best gig, dude. You can do it yourself. Yeah. Oh my god, that's that is a really good idea, actually. See, yeah, <laughs> one of my favorite audio the thing that gets me so pumped on audiobooks was hearing, hearing no effects tell their own fucked up story. Yeah, each member their own chapter. They yeah. read it themselves. Fucking awesome, dude. That's awesome. Yeah. Holy shit, yo. And yeah, I will say this because I know we're going so past like time <laughs> at this point, but like, I feel like all the things that we talked about. In reality, like I know we started brushing on some of the positive stuffs, but there there's a lot that I didn't really get to get into because of the aspect of my backstory being so broad uh, and wide and contextually. You just kind of have to know a lot of it, unfortunately, to see where I'm coming from. Um, but you, it's necessary to see the the process of growth, and that like I would love an opportunity to come back sometime and just like be able to talk about the positive light of, of the things that, you know, while it was some of easily the darkest things I've gone through where I'm at now and the slope uh, that has just 
immensely, you know, gotten just so much greater, especially recently. Yeah. Like, I want that to be clear, you know, it's like, just because I'm positive and stuff, and like, now, like, dude, even this year, I like, I was still in like super dark moments. Like I still had my moments like everybody else, yeah. but like, it's just the, it's the determination and the, and the commitment to continuously get better. And you have to always want that growth. And I will end on that note for now, I suppose. <laughs> yeah, man. Positive isn't always happy, man. I think positive is always real. Just being, yeah, being real and being, and just knowing it's going to be okay. I think that's, doesn't necessarily mean that shit's good. So, that's a good point. Well, shit, man. Hmm. Um, that being said, dude, we'll, we'll nice little three hour and 10 minute episode. <laughs> um, you know, but like I said, we're going to put the, uh, we're going to put that clip, um, at the end of this too. Um, yeah. And then we, uh, we'll probably play your, your little voice message too, to, to like open up the show. Cause I want people to, you know to what? experience that. Can you, uh, can you put that, um, that video I sent you of me doing that Polaris clip too. Yeah. Just, just to show as a reference of like where I'm at now. And like, if you, if you want me to do anything, you know, <laughs> any of you listeners out there, they instead play. of that, my audition. No, I'm just kidding. Yeah, man. <laughs> just kidding. Dude, once, once again, man, thank you so much for fucking hanging out with us and telling us, I know, I like, I know that there's still so much more that we could talk about. Yeah. It's, it's, yeah. No. you know but dude thank you so much for Absolutely. hanging out with us man um, it was an honor to be here and and i i truly i can't thank you enough for for considering me to be on it in the first place so i hope to give you guys more and i can't wait to see more episodes and it'll be fun sick man dude i wish you guys the best yeah. thank Pre- you we appreciate you we love you love you man thank you so Absolutely much we love you guys thank you so much all right dude later Let's <laughs> go.